Talk Radio. from starting over, hopefully headed toward a better place than the one we've been at. There's no kind of plan, just going to jump in the water and see what floats. 
Let's beat the storm and be on our way. Those lyrics by Chris Stapleton set the stage perfectly for tonight's edition of Kane Sport Live as we edge closer to the start of a 2020 football season that for so long, for so many months, looked like might never arrive. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and we welcome you once again to Canesport Live. Um, as always, this is your show. It'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3550. That's 563-999-3550. More than 100 open phone lines, plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. If you're a newbie to Canesport Live, this is how it works. You hit the number one on your keypad once you call in to the 563-999-3550 number. You hit the one on your keypad. That puts you in the queue, lets us know you want to come on the show. We bring you on the show in the order that you land in the queue. We once again ask the subscribers at canesport.com to post the topics and questions that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show in the War Room message board. And we will address those tonight during the course of the show. So I wanted to begin tonight and set the stage for our discussion this evening by talking for a few minutes just about the team, because I know that that's what everybody wants to know about. You know, it, it's been a very unique preseason. Um, we have not had the typical media access that we would normally have. We've been doing the best we can to bring you the most comprehensive reports possible on canesport.com through these last few weeks. Um, but I know you guys still have a lot of questions. So um, I'm going to do my best to answer as many of those as possible here in the next few minutes. And then obviously we will address more of them as we go forward in the show. Um, the general consensus of everybody inside and outside the football program is that the Hurricanes are a better team this season than they were a year ago. What does that mean? I think we have to wait to find out. Um, but it certainly goes beyond the anticipation that the record this year will be better than the six wins of a year ago. Um, these thoughts are fueled, I think, by optimism over... Rhett Lashley's up-tempo spread offense and the revitalized offensive coaching staff in general. You know, I, th I think that there's a unanimous feeling and opinion that Lashley, receivers coach Rob Likens, offensive line coach Garen Justice, that they are believed to be a vastly superior trio over Dan Enos, Butch Barry, and Dana Stubblefield. Now, you know, we went through this last year. And, we, you know, last year at this time, we all felt the same way. So the bottom line is the proof will be in the results. But as we sit here tonight, nine days before the first football is kicked, I think I can safely say that from the top to the bottom of the program, they feel they've upgraded in terms of the coaching staff. Okay, so that's number one. And then the thoughts are fueled by the belief that De'Ara King is a far superior quarterback than Miami has been playing with in its recent history. Um, he has impressed everybody in the program in every single way. We have not heard a single negative comment, review, thought at all. This is a guy that has done everything right and impressed everybody 
from the second he stepped foot on campus, um, you know, back in the spring. So he's an accurate passer, but more than anything, probably a more accurate passer, by the way, than a lot of people give him credit for. But more than anything, De'Ara King is the kind of leader that this program just has not had in a very long time. I mean, let's be honest. It just has, has it, there has been a, a leadership void to the degree that you need to be a championship football team. So the biggest question of the quarterback right now really revolves around who's going to be the backup to, to King. Um, I'm personally expecting the Cozy Perry in that role. Nothing else really makes any sense to me. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke is making progress, but I can't imagine he's ready to go win a meaningful game when you have Perry's game experience sitting right there. So, you know, I, I think it'll play out that way. Um, Miami's in very good shape at running back with Cam Harris, Jalen Knighton, and Don Chaney. I think that's been proven in training camp. Now, here's the question. Are any of the three a franchise back at this point in their careers? You know, the way that we have seen back through the history of Miami football. You know, I don't think I need to mention the names. You know, I'm not ready to say that for sure. You know, I don't know if – these guys are, you know, top shelf NFL level backs, certainly not at this point in their careers. I don't know if they can develop into that. But I do feel strongly that Miami is not going to lose any games this year because of their running backs as long as they hold on to the football and don't have critical turnovers um, in key situations and games. And I think they're also going to stress opponents big time in the passing game, and that that's going to be a big cog in Lashley's offense. At tight end, so much preseason attention was focused on Brevin Jordan. And yes, he should have a phenomenal season this year. And this offense features tight ends. But one of the highlights of training camp for sure has been the improvement of Will Mallory and his performances in practices and scrimmages. He's a kid that keeps getting better and better. Uh, when you look back at Lashley's you know, last few years as an offensive coordinator, he loves using the tight end. So I'm looking for both Jordan and Mallory to play big roles in the offense this year. The wide receiver position, to me, is one of the mysteries of the team. We know there's a reasonable amount of athletic talent there. What I want to know is, is there a dude? You know, a dude. A guy that's going to you know, carry, carry the show during key games. I'm not expecting Michael Irvin or Andre Johnson to suddenly morph and appear on this football team. Let's be honest, that's not reality. But I am looking for one or two guys to separate themselves from, from the pack. Will it be D. Wiggins? Will it be Mark Pope? Will it be Jeremiah Payton? Mike Harley's done some good things in fall camp. And then you got the three freshmen, Smith, Redding, and Restrepo. So I'm not sure if one or two of these guys is going to jump out from the pack or not. But here's one thing I do feel pretty sure about. The X-Man, Restrepo. Will it happen for him as a freshman? I don't know. But this guy is a quicker version of Braxton Berrios. And I expect Lashley and King to fall in love with his reliability. The kid's just a football player. And I think he's going to have a really good career at Miami. And time will tell us what that means in 2020. Everybody wants to know about the offensive line for obvious reasons. 
I think right now the mission is to put a servable starting five together. The guy who makes that a possibility, I think, is Houston transfer Jared Williams. You know, he's just a big-bodied older guy with a nice wingspan who makes the whole position group better because he's a guy at right tackle that you should be able to count on at least most of the time. I think they're going to miss Navon Donaldson. Um, you know, I'm not convinced that John Campbell is going to hold up at left tackle. But I think if you start with the center and the right side of the line, with Corey Gaynor at center, DeLone Scaife at guard, and Williams at tackle, you have the foundation of a respectable starting unit. I think we're going to have to keep our expectations in check. I think fair expectations are significantly better than the 51 sacks of last year. Um, but we're still waiting to see what happens at left guard where Ausman Traor appears to have the inside track. And it's looking like Zion Nelson and Ja'Kai Clark are going to be the sixth and seventh men. Time will tell if Donaldson can return at some point this season. And remember, when he can come back, he comes back without discounting of the year of eligibility. So he could play more than four games and still come back for another year next year if he needs it to improve his skills in NFL stock. So, so you know, he's got to lose weight. He, you know, you know, vastly out of shape. Um, Navon Donaldson's got a lot of work to do. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe at some point this year he can contribute. And then of the freshmen, I, I think Jalen Rivers is probably the, the one that will be most ready to get in the game. But if you have to count on him this year, I would say that's a problem. So if, I would say you're hoping that you don't have to see any of these freshmen on the field this season at offensive line. Saw how it went last year. So um, not, a, not a recipe for success for sure. All right, bouncing over to the defensive side, uh, Jalen Phillips appears fully recovered from all his physical problems. He reported for camp in great shape, and he has been performing well enough at defensive end that there is the expectation that he can at least minimize the loss of Greg Rousseau. And that loss can't be sugar-coated. I don't care how hard you try. Greg Rousseau is one of the top football players in the United States, and he was just scratching the surface. You know, he was going to probably be a monster this year. And losing him is massive. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to sugarcoat it and put it any other way. It's massive. Um, is it one game massive, two games massive? You know, we'll see what happens, but it's massive. And, um, you know, thank God they picked up Quincy Roche. You know, obviously a, a, a great pickup. And he'll give Miami with Phillips a solid pair of starting bookends. So, um and then they have, you know, of course, Jafari Harvey coming coming off the um, the bench. So um, they're in decent shape. And Cam Williams, I think, has been flashing a little bit of practice. So they're in decent shape at defensive end. Um, I'm personally not convinced yet about the starting tackles. John Ford and likely Nesta Silvera. We'll have to just see what happens there. Uh, Jordan Miller would probably be the next tackle in the game. And you also have a group of young guys in Blissett, Hunte, and Holly uh, still in developmental mode. So to me, defensive tackle remains a work in progress and has a lot to prove to us. Linebacker Zach McLeod is obviously going to be expected to be the rock of the linebacker position. The question here is whether he will play inside, outside, or both. The coaches have been very pleased with the progress of Bradley Jennings. Um, you know, I know some of you guys out there are probably grimacing a little bit. The, the lasting memory we have was of his um, bust in the LSU game where he went to the wrong gap and they, they hit that big running play in the second quarter that kind of blew that, that game open a couple of years ago. Um, 
but you know, Bradley Jennings is older now. He's been around the program. He's bigger, stronger, presumably faster. The coaches have liked what they've seen in in camp. So I think he's going to get an opportunity to play, and you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, McLeod is probably better on the out, outside than the inside. You know, trying to fill the mic position that Shaq Quarterman has vacated. So you know, we'll see. And then uh, Sam Brooks and Avery Huff are very firmly in the mix as well to be the next two on the field. So the talent linebacker is decent. The experience is not. And I'm expecting an up and down season from the linebackers and the strikers, Gil Frierson and Keandre Smith. The um, safety position should be in really good shape with Bubba Bolden, Gervin Hall, and Amari Carter. Uh, these are guys with a lot of seasoning who should know what they're doing out there. It'll be a solid rotation that really maybe might, maybe it becomes spectacular at some point as the year goes on. We'll see how things play out with the corners. I'm not sure Miami has a frontline shutdown guy on the outside. Um, so I would suggest that there will be ups and downs depending on the matchups each, each game. Al Blades and DJ Ivy should get the first shot starters, but I would love to get a good look at Christian Williams and to Corey Couch this year. That's just my feeling. I, I'd like to see what those guys got and if they could upgrade the position. The kicking game, at least when a foot is being put on a football, should be rock solid with uh, transfer kicker Jose Borregales from FIU and punter Lou Headley coming back for another year. Uh, Borregales will obviously be a big upgrade over Bubba Baxa in the place kicking department. We'll have to see how things go on kickoffs, though. Uh, Baxa was sensational on kickoffs. Most of his kicks were touchbacks. We'll have to see how Borregales does um, in terms of kicking off. So that gives you just a quick snapshot of where things are nine days to the minute before opening night against UAB. Um, we'll continue this discussion and do a deeper pre preview uh, next Tuesday night. But for now, um, let's get to your calls. The number is 563-999-3550. 563-999-3550. You hit the number one on your keypad if you'd like to come on the show. But got the plenty of room on the board, so don't be shy. And let's start out tonight in the 786, where you are live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? You hey, Gary, how are you? Doing great. Is this everything? How are you, Gary? Doing yeah, good, doing good. You changed your phone number, huh? Actually, I didn't know I'm it was you. My goddaughter's phone. Oh, there you are. Yeah, I did. I usually recognize your number, but uh, this time I didn't. But that's all All good. How you been? What you got for us? Hanging in there. I really, really enjoyed uh, your overview here and your analysis. I think you really hit the nail on the head on a bunch of positions. Well, I, I wanted to start the show with a little snapshot. You know, I, I think that there's just so much mystery for everybody. So, you know, we've been trying to put it together piece by piece. <laughs> it's been different. One thing that intrigues, one thing that intrigues me, Gary, is um, the, the amount of work that this kid that came in from, I believe, from Hutchinson Community College and the Jayhawk Conference, uh, Osprey Tremor, and then I, what I heard the last two weeks is that he's really come on and and that right yep. now he's probably penciled in as our starting left guard. Mm hmm And, and I, I'm just uh, I'm just curious. Manny mentioned today in press conference that I think Matt was covering for you guys um, 
He mentioned that uh, he kind of had a deal with a little bit of an eligibility situation. Took him a while to get cleared and transferring over uh, from Hutch. To I mean that probably that's why he didn't even get a chance to really play last year. But that he is uh, he's really come on. So I'm I'm encouraged to hear that. But I think the biggest the biggest positive on the offensive line, and this pretty much describes our, our program in a nutshell is just the development of players, having guys who can develop players. And from what I'm hearing, uh, Coach Justice really fits that need, uh, not only as a great recruiter, but as a teacher. And I, I, what I'm hearing is the guys are really, really bought into what he's been preaching, and it's been a total 180 compared to what was being taught to them by a guy who was in the NFL for several years. So an interesting dynamic we got going on in the offensive line room as a whole, Gary. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. Um, very, very, very positive, good reviews of Coach Justice. Um, the one thing I could say, though, about your, your, the second half of your comment is I think especially at offensive line, coaches have their own styles and way of doing things. And, and I think that, you know, one offensive line coach is not often going to be the same as the other. Um, so I don't put a lot of stock in that so much. But uh, this guy comes with a great, you know, great reputation. People speak very highly of him. And I don't think that he's done anything to disappoint since he got here. So I would have the expectation that the offensive line will perform better this year. Um, I just, you know, I don't want to oversell because, you know, it was so bad last year. It, it, it's, it's like, you know, I, I, let's see. We're going to find out, you know, over the next month. You know, hopefully, if if the coronavirus holds off, you know, we're going to find out over the next month how much better they really are. Um, but, I mean, I think you can have the expectation that they will be better for sure. But I, I don't, I don't, um, I don't fault anybody for buying in right now, especially the loyal traditional fans and supporters of this program, uh, like most of us here are on your platform and in the community. I, I think. I think it's okay to buy a little bit, but just kind of see the big picture at the same time. And that's a delicate balance. And uh, I I always try to uh, pride myself in seeing the bigger picture, trying to see what coaches are doing, thinking about how they're addressing issues. And as a whole, uh, this team is probably more Manny's team than it was ever before. And I think that's a major positive that, the culture, and I, I hate to keep saying that, but the culture truly uh, has changed to the point where if you're not going to be all in, you're not here. And mm-hmm. there's a couple guys that are still, and I think one was interviewed today, uh, still kind of you know behind the scenes clamoring down on, on the amount of playing time and reps and scrimmage number two as well as scrimmage number one. And, you know, th- there's just no room for that. And the level of accountability from the players seems to be better. Now, these are all the things that we're seeing from the outside. And we'll find out next Thursday, not this Thursday, but the following Thursday, how accurate uh, the information that's been shared with us is. But at this stage, there's a lot of positive going on. And I, I just hope that uh, we can have on this whole program. And it's, it's insane when you think about what uh, Coach Brady did at LSU in one year. And I'm not saying we have Joe uh, we don't. We don't have a Heisman Trophy winner down here. I'm not saying that. We don't have the what personnel. 
we don't right. whether Lashley is as good a coach as Joe Brady or not is irrelevant. Um, we don't have the personnel of LSU at this program right now. We don't. And, and you, you talked about the wide receiver core, and, and let me explain something to you. What I'm hearing, what I've heard for the last couple of weeks, is that there's nothing, there's nothing secure. There's no job that's secure in the wide receiver room. Everything is up for grabs. You, you've got your veteran guys, but I don't see Coach Lykin being very patient when it comes to executing. Either you do or you don't. And, and I'm, I am also encouraged that a kid like uh, a kid from Deerfield, who has gotten a ton of praise from Coach Lykins, as well as a kid from Jacksonville, um, uh, what's his name again? Peyton. Those two guys have, have, have really gotten their game up to a different level, and I wouldn't be surprised if a three-year, a three, a three-year guy like uh, who was a five-star in Mark Pope, who really hasn't put things together, you know, isn't isn't playing once again. I, I think you either perform or you're going to sit. I, I, no I don't doubt, think there's room to go ahead with this offensive staff. There is the le- the tolerance level is not going to be. Uh, existed to a high degree, I don't think. I think it's going to be on a very short leash because they've got to find a way to win. You mentioned earlier, we don't know how Corona is going to hurt us, but we do know that every game, you really truly have to treat it like a bowl game. might be the only game you get on tape of yourself if you're a senior right now, even even if you have the extra year of eligibility, regardless of all those things. Uh, you you want to go ahead and piece together some good tape for yourself, for your teammates, and all those things. And they really have to appreciate every opportunity they get when they have a chance to play. Gary, it's this is unlike anything we've seen before. Yeah, it's a great point. You know, I was really thrown this week when when Blake James was uh, having um, an online session with um, a bunch of alumni, and and he said that he would consider it a win if eight if if eight games were played this year which means that if he's saying that that means they're anticipating issues as the year goes on they're anticipating teams betting being um overrun with coronavirus and not being able to play on given weeks um they 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 got to have all of that in the back of their mind so this 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 could end up being an adventure um but you're right i mean if you're a guy that's getting up in your in the later years of your career and you're hoping to play professional football, you don't have weeks to waste. <laughs> like yeah, you're, you, every game is a bowl game. Every game is the Super Bowl because you don't know how much tape you're going to be able to put in the reel, so to speak. And um, if you don't put enough, it, it could be the difference between going into the, into, into the draft this year and going in an, in a, in a year, even two years, depending on your age and, 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 and how it shakes out for you. So, yeah, these kids are going to have a lot on the line. Uh, whether that means they'll play harder than they normally would, you know, who knows. But it's a great point you made. Well, I appreciate that. And, and I wanted to touch base, Gary, on, on recruiting. Um, I was told today that the most impactful player, uh, who is a legacy kid, is going to be Willie Smith's kid. He's going to be the most impactful player on this year in this year's signing class. And I and I, I looked at my friend. And I said, "What's that? What do you say?" He's like, "Yeah, no, that kid's gonna. That kid is gonna have the impact 
that a Rousseau had. And I was like, man, I just I, – I see he's got some talent. He's played some offense. He's played some defense. I, I just don't see exactly what he was, was saying. And then a, a good another buddy of ours was uh, was tweeting about something, and we talked about, you know, Leonard Taylor and, and the possibilities of him and Brashar Smith and, and what they could do to the Palmetto kids. And then we talked about the Northwestern kids. And then out of the blue, the guy says, Watch out for Willie's kids. They say he's a freak. Now, Gary, I, I remember when Rousseau first had his first uh, spring camp here. And he put on, I think, about 20 pounds of muscle from January toward the end of the spring season. And I'm very optimistic that that uh, that uh, Willie's kid is going to be able to – you know, pretty much fall in the same, I guess, position, so to speak, as to is he a top, is he a strong safety? Is he a linebacker? Hell, no. They think they he think gonna he's going to be a striker. The the plan is for him to play striker right, right now. Yeah, uh, you know, he, right now he's about he's about six four, one eighty five. I don't know if he'll get. You know, I don't think no, he'll good. He, I doubt he'll get as tall as Rousseau. Um, and I don't know if he'll grow enough to become a defensive end, but the plan is for him right now to be a striker, you know, and um, it'll be interesting, you know, he's going to have to come in and compete with Keontra Smith, who should, you know, have it going a little bit by then. And, um, you know, I'm not totally not convinced that James Williams won't end up as a striker as well. Um, you know, right now he wants to be a safety. We'll see what happens. Um, but, you know, he, he could end up as a linebacker or, or a striker also before it's all said and done. So we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Um, but Chase Smith is a very solid athlete who could play a number of different positions in college. You could probably even make you him know, a tight end if you wanted to. You know, I, I kind of saw him. Some of the tape I saw of him last year, I'm like, he was, he was playing tight end, playing a little flank. I'm like, hey, this kid's pretty freaking good. Um, but at that point, I don't even think he had but like ten or twelve offers, and only like three or four were were, were power five offers. And I think we were we were included in that group, if I'm not mistaken. But when I look at James Williams, uh, I, I heard Kelvin Harris say this about about six months ago. That guy can make a ton of money with his hand in the dirt, and he he, he tries to compare himself to. Similar to the six, I think the kid at FSU is about six three, six four, whatever. The kid at FSU, they're they're totally different body types. When you look at James Williams' body type, it is not a long, lanky kid. He's he's got he's well put together. Carries a good two twenty. I don't see him uh, flourishing as a free safety. I, maybe I'm wrong, Gary, and I'm wrong off a lot. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, but you I, know, he thinks he's going to model himself after Sean player. Taylor. He, he wants to model himself after Sean Taylor. Well, you know, we'll see. That's that's asking a lot. I mean, do, do you think? I mean, for me, he's a he's a he's a fast twitch player. I mean, I, I, that's what I see. I don't see an incredible amount of lateral quickness. I see some bad angles at times. Uh, yeah, a buddy of mine was over at Western for a little bit and said, "Hey, man, this kid can play freaking any position." And he compared him to the kid that played at FSU is now with the Chargers. Um, 
He said, I, that kid could pretty much play anywhere. A kid from Haines City I'm talking about. But, I don't know, Gary, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, this class stays together. And a big part of that is how well this coaching staff does their main job, and that's to develop these kids and win games. And ultimately, that's going to be the most impactful thing that happens with recruiting and everything else with this program. Can our staff make our kids, can you develop these kids? That's the major question mark that we are still facing today. Well, and, and you got to be able to out-scheme people on game day, too. You know, you got to be able to win games. And, you know, okay. we've, see, we've, we've seen how evenly matched things can be in the ACC. And coaching does make a difference. And, and, and sometimes you, you have to be able to out-scheme the other guys to win games. Um, one last thing, Gary, on the running backs. Based on what you've heard, I know you've got you've always had very solid sources, and uh, you're always pretty you're pretty blunt with things. If you had to say that the rooster is gonna get 15 carries or 15 touches a game, do you think that's realistic? Absolutely. You know, we're going to find out, but he might be the best back on the team. I mean, right now, it's right now before he's played a game. You know, we'll see how Cam Harris does this year and, and how they stack up against each other. But um, I think he absolutely will get 15 touches a game. I mean, think about that. Duke's freshman year, he was averaging 13 and a half touches a game his first four, ga- his first four games of his career. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean that's that's a big statement, and I, I heck, heck, I hope I hope it's correct, and I hope he's that explosive. But with this up-tempo uh, offense, they're gonna they'll be running more plays than they ran when Duke was here. I think that Gary, but I also think this team is, is running a power spread. I think that really falls into uh, a running back's uh, lap. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna get great touches. Pass protection is going to be a lot faster because Baltimore out of the quarterback's hand faster. So that is always one thing that we're always really concerned about with young running backs, how good are they in pass protection. But with this, it, everything's pretty quick. So that's another another burden that our young running backs don't have to really uh, – they, they won't really be exposed as we they have been in the past with our traditional pro-style offense. Yeah, well, I mean, you could end up being right about all that, but I just think I just think that the way that they're going to be attacking this thing this year, that there's going to be a lot of opportunities for a lot of guys, and I think we're going to find out we're going to find out very quickly who can do what. Well, I'm going to re- make a recommendation to to uh, to all of Kane Sport Live here. Make sure you watch Thursday night Central Arkansas play against UAB. That's going to give us a better idea. I mean, it might not it might not even be a game after the second quarter, but at least we have an idea as to what we're going to be seeing on offense and defense. They bring back 18 starters, Gary, sides of the ball. I mean, that's a ton of, of, of uh, experience. They've got great leaders on both sides, and that is a phenomenal coaching staff when you think about where that program was a couple of years ago, that they were, they were, they were, they dropped football. They were able to 
and saved the program, and these guys have done a phenomenal job. So let's all watch uh, Thursday night some college football, and let's get an idea what we're going to face the following Thursday. And, and go Cage, Gary. All right, everything. Thanks for getting us started. All right, 563-999-3550 is the number, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you'd like to come on the show. Let's go out to the 917. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Barry, what's up, BK Hurricane? Hey, what's up, BK? How you been, man? No, I'm hanging in there, hanging in there, dealing with this corona, but I'm all right. <laughs> this new world corona stuff. Yeah, it's crazy, well, man. I'll tell you, they just yeah. they just dumped. There was a, uh, a a testing company that just dumped like eighty thousand tests today that they were late reporting. <laughs> I mean, eighty eighty thousand tests that they had not reported yet. They just dumped into the system yesterday. <laughs> I mean, it's well, it's I'm in crazy. New York, so our numbers are are really low. You know, our numbers uh, are pretty low up here. So you know, I'm feeling a little safe, but. Yeah, it is what it is. Listen, I just wanted to run something past you real quick. You know, now, I don't know if I'm drinking the Kool-Aid or not, but you could tell me. I'm listening to all these analysts talk about how Miami's due to finish seventh, sixth in the ACC. And, you know, I'm trying to keep an open mind, so so I'm seeing, okay, who's ahead of us, right? I just can't wrap my head around the Louisville thing. Mm-hmm. They have us losing against Louisville. They have Louisville having a better record than us or finishing ahead of us. <laughs> what is it that they're seeing about Louisville that I'm not? Granted, they have some talent on offense, but their defense is a train wreck. Yeah, it, it's 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 believed that it's going to be a train wreck, but I don't think I, I I think that they've they've done some things to to try to attack that and you know, try to get better uh, on, on one hand. I, I think um, Satterfield's a very good offensive coach. So, you know, I think there's the anticipation that now, you know, that their offense is going to keep moving forward and, and, and doing better. Um, you know, I think, I think that's, an, that's another element of it. And I think, you know, the, the other thing I would say is that there's not, there's not an outrageous, Amount of respect for Miami right now. I mean, let's be that's, honest. We that's what I'm leaning towards. Right? Leaning yeah, towards. I'm thinking it's more of a respect thing. Like I get the whole North Carolina thing because they'll just scheme us to death certain positions than we are. So I could I could see the North Carolina thing. I could almost see the the Virginia Tech thing because because they have a group, they have great coaching. But some of this other stuff is just. Well, the Louisville thing is killing me. Yeah, but, but 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 let's be honest. Louisville went eight and five last year. Miami went six and seven. And I know we beat them. And I know their defense wasn't very good. And we had it. And we had it. We hit some. You know, Jaron Williams hit some passes that day. Um, but it's not like it, the game was a total mismatch. Um, you know, they have a proven quarterback. You know the, you know the, that Cunningham kid. You know, I think it was a Mikhail proven quarterback. Like yeah, yeah Mikhail Cunningham. So, you know, they it's not like they don't have a lot of things going for them. You know, I mean, it's not totally outlandish. Yeah, but the lack of uh, – uh, 
And you and you're talking about they that people think Louisville will be the fourth best team and we'll be the fifth. I mean, you're not talking about a big disparity there either. So you don't think there's a big dis- you don't you think we're pretty close? We're gonna find out. You know, I I mean, I would like to think that I would like to think that that Miami's defense is better than Louisville's defense on oh, face well, value. I think Miami has one of the best defenses, you know, top 15 defense in the country. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with you on that. You know, I, ho- I hope that turns out so? to be the case. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I, I mean, agree with you on that. I don't. I, I just don't. I don't know. I, I think we've got questions at defensive tackle. I think we have questions at linebacker. I think we have questions at cornerback. Um, if I had to make a bet right now, it would be that the 2020 defense is not as good as the 2019 defense. But I hope I'm wrong. You know, I, I, I hope I'm wrong. Well, I'm hoping that that I'm hoping that the other parts of the defense could step up and maybe take some heat off of the tackles. And one important thing is last year Greg Rousseau played some tackle. He played tackle in a lot of positions. He played D tackle in a lot of positions. That's how versatile he was. So we are really going to miss this guy a lot, no doubt. A lot. I remember. Now let me, now let me tell you. Tackles. Let me tell you one other one other thing about this Louisville Miami scenario you're talking about. Um, not everybody thinks Louisville is going to be better than Miami. I mean, I, I, I think it was – I was looking at an ACC preview the other day. I think it was in, in USA Today, and I, I think they had Miami as the fourth-best team and Louisville as, like, the seventh or eighth-best team. But hmm. the, the, the thing about the ACC is I think when you go – I think that clearly the two best teams are Clemson and Notre Dame, and then I think the, 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 the general prevailing opinion is North Carolina is next – but then when you go four through eight, Miami, Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh, Louisville, Florida State, I don't know that there's a lot of separation there, you know, in those in those teams. I think if you go three through eight, there's not enough. There's not a lot of separation. Yeah, eight, right, right. End up the number three team, you know. Right. It's, it, yeah. Right. I'm just saying that so the, the the general consensus people like North Carolina, but right because of Matt you know, Ryan, I'm I, assuming. Oh, Mac Brown, another year. They've done some good recruiting. They brought in a five-star corner. Um, you know, they've they've improved their team, and the you know, the, the, there's just a feeling that they're a team on the rise, which they probably are, a team on the rise. Um, you know, so I'm not. You know, I, I think there's different opinions on Louisville, um, but you know, they have Cunningham. They have a good running back in that JV and Hawkins kid. They've got a solid receiver. In that two-two Atwell, um, the kid that that drove us crazy last year. I mean, he's a good player. Yeah. Um, so, and when you you know take Satterfield running the offense, I mean, they're going to score points. They're 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 going to be decent, but um, they don't have a lot of depth on defense for sure. And they're definitely a team that, because of their problems on defense, might not quite match the hype. But I think you got to yeah. you got to you got to you got to watch out for Pittsburgh. Well, yeah, Pittsburgh you know. is always dangerous for us. Pittsburgh has always been a pain in our ass. Yeah, I mean the Florida uh, State, this, Virginia, this Norville Virginia guy. Tech. Yeah, <laughs> Virginia Tech, you, you know, is going to be competitive. This Norville guy at Florida State. Florida. Well, you know they have athletes. You you know they, they have do, athletes that in that program. Such I understand, but the, the guy. But I'm telling you, the guy's a good football coach. So, no, Gary, I understand you know, that. What I mean by disarray is uh, amongst the players, like, they're just not gelling. They, 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 there seems to be 
a fact okay, to the that, players that don't there, like there were, there were issues, but that was a few months ago. Like, you know, they've had time to clean that up. Hope so, so I think it's all one big unknown, and I don't, I don't know that we can make any assumptions about anything other than hoping that our own team is better than the, what we put out there last year, which was not real good. Yeah. But I'm just hoping that the offense could balance out, you know, if it ever came down to it. Like, that offense could just bail us out. And hopefully we won't have the kicking wounds, so I'm not even putting that into the equation. But this, this offense has got to bail us out a little bit this year. If they could bail us out a couple of games, we'll be just fine. As long well, as we you know, we're supposed to be, the offense bails us out one or two games, we'll be okay. We'll see. You know, we're we're at you, you. You're asking an offense to bail you out that hasn't played one snap in this system, and didn't have a spring practice. I understand. So I mean, I mean, I mean, I get it. I understand. But you know, we're playing, we're we're playing the dreaming game right now. So we just got to see how yeah, you know it. one one game. I, here's what I would say: one game at a time. Let it play out. Let's see what we've got. You know, I don't think we know. Well, let's just hope we could score some points, <laughs> beat some teams. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that, that would be nice. It, but yeah, thanks a lot, Gary. Just keep me on the line. All right, BK, thanks as always for being part of the show. All right, guys, we've got a pretty wide open board. Um, so come on in, man. If you've, if you've never come on the show, tonight would be a great time. I see, I see a lot of people on the phone lines who have not hit the number one on your keypad. Um, I encourage you guys, you know, you know, take the plunge tonight. Come on the show. The number is 563-999-3550. 563-999-3550. You hit the number one on your keypad that you like. Come on, let's go out to the 561. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Hey, Gary. What's going on, man? It's, uh, Who's this? Scooter DuPont. Hey, what's Scooter up, Scooter? DuPont. How you been, man? Hey, man. Not bad. Um, all right. Just a couple things. Uh, Thad Franklin. Yeah. I guess he's this running back that the board loves and, you know, Man, he he's uh in the locker room, he's acting like kind of like a little he, he's acting like a bitch, you know. I mean, <laughs> he's saying that we well, can't. Uh, he gave, basically gave the coaches an ultimatum that um, we can't sign another running back, or else he's going to go to Florida State. And then, like, it seems like everybody on the board is like, "Oh, we need this kid so bad," and da-da-da. you know, I looked at his film and everything, and I mean. I, I don't know. Is he that? Is he that good? I mean, we usually can get pretty good running backs. He's a good but, player. Uh, is he? Is he better than what we're going to be playing with this year? Probably not. Um, I think we got to give the kid the benefit of the doubt. You know, there there could be a little bit of a logjam at running back. You know, maybe. You know, I think Florida State is trying to sell him that there's a better opportunity in Tallahassee for him to play a lot quicker and have a bigger impact. So we'll see. You know, you got to remember we stole Jalen Knighton from them, so they would love to steal Franklin from us. And um, you know, I don't. I think you got to give the kid the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he's exploring his different options. I I think he's receptive to coming to Miami, but he probably wants to make sure that the opportunity is what he thinks it is before he totally commits. Commits. <laughs> Who would you rather have, that guy? or Would you rather have the, the running back from Central? I think Amari. Uh, oh man, 
I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about him with um, you know Roll. I think Roland Smith, the Miami Central coach, is gonna be coming on the show. I believe in a little bit. Um, so yeah, That's we'll we'll ask Central. We'll ask we'll ask Roland a little bit about Amari Daniels, but uh, they're both very very good. Um, you know, it's hard for me to pick one over the other at this point. You know, they're, they're what about the them. offense? What about Sorry to change subject. What about El Jamal, that uh, offensive lineman? I haven't heard anything out of him. I thought he was going to be a good prospect. No, I mean nothing's really nothing. Nothing, nothing has heard no. I mean nothing's happened there. You know, he's he's still a redshirt freshman. He's a 310 pound kid. He's still a redshirt freshman. So so he's got time. He's a big kid, but. I think he's probably a project, you know, I think that, you know, and he's in his first year under this offensive line coach. And if he were in the picture to be one of the top seven or eight guys, I would be concerned. They'd mention him. Yeah. Well, you know what it is? Well, no, no, but I would be concerned. I would say that's oh. bad. I would say it's a bad thing because, you know, your top seven guys should be the guys we've talked about earlier in the show. And then, um, Nelson and Ja'Kai Clark. I mean, those should be your your seven guys with Donaldson as the eighth guy when he's healthy. I mean, what? they've played. They, you know, why do they put their best players on the – aren't you supposed to put your best, best on, on the blind side? seems like the left side is like the side they're experimenting with. Yeah, that's the side where the quarterback doesn't see. Yeah, I just – I think that the Jared Williams coming in is more comfortable on the right side, so they're leaving him there rather than forcing him over to the left side. And I think they're hoping that John Campbell can get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw your piece. You know, God, I went back and watched some of the games last night. The amount of times that, like, Ivy and even Blades to some point just got, like, smoked was uh, – I-, I seem to see those guys getting burnt a lot in a lot of plays. But I don't know. I, I didn't. I don't think that they're. I don't think that we have any really good cornerbacks. I thought that you kind of over. Um, uh, I thought you, you thought they were a little bit better than than what they. No, are. I didn't. See, you didn't hear me say that. You talking about earlier in the show when you I talked. You didn't hear me say. You wrote a piece on them. Okay. Well, I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, but but yeah, I understand what you're saying. You're talking about our evaluation. Yeah. I mean, we we don't we don't oversell those guys. We think they're unproven. We, you know, we, I totally agree with with what you're saying right now. Um, you know, I, I I think that your best corner is not from last year is not in the program anymore. And you know, now these two guys got to see if they can handle it. And I said earlier in the show that I'm kind of would like to get a look at Christian Williams and to Corey Couch and start finding out if they're a little bit better than Blades and Ivy. You know, I yeah. think they're okay. I think. They're going to get beat sometimes, as you're seeing from the practice highlights. The coaches, you know, for all they're saying, oh, it's an open competition, that ain't no open competition. And when they do the starting lineup, it's going to be the same guys. It's going to be uh, Blades, Ivy. It's going to be – it's going to – like, they're never – I don't think there's going to be one younger guy they're going to promote over. Like, they'll never play uh, Smith, like the striker Keandre Smith over Gil Frierson. Even if he's better. I just get the feeling, like, the, there's a high amount of uh, seniority that this coaching staff does. You know, they, they talk about, oh, these are the older guys, and this is, hey, man, they're older guys, but those a lot of those guys aren't all that good. 
you know? I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, if a, a real good thing to do when you're doing all these articles or even these fans, just go back and watch a little bit of, like, the SIU game or even the Louisiana Tech. They're essentially the same players, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Blaze and Ivy. and It's kind of the same, you know, most of them. I'd say, like, 70% of them are the same people that got beat by FIU. So, you know, these guys talking about it's, it's outrageous that Louisville's ahead of us and it's outrageous Florida State. Florida State, every year, every time we play them, it comes down to, like, one play. No matter when they were good and we were bad or whenever the case is, it's always like a, a, like a tooth and nail, like a dog fight. It's like a fight to the death with them every year. Yeah, it's always going to be. Yeah. Why would it be, any, di- why would it be any different? Yeah. Uh, last thing, um, what was I going to ask you? I don't even remember. I don't know. But uh, but you know, hopefully they'll they'll do well and and we'll see what goes on. Thanks, man. Just All right, Scooter. Hold. You got it, man. Thanks right, for dude. being part of the show. All right, 563-999-3550. 563-999-3550. You hit the number 1 on your keypad if you want to come on the show. I'm, I I got a lot of open spots, so like I said, if you if you if you if you're being shy and you're a little skittish about coming on tonight would be a great night to break in uh, because most of our regulars are a little slow getting in the queue. So um, I encourage you to do so. Let's go out now to the eight, four, five. You're live on Kane sport live. Good, Gary. How you doing? Doing great. How you doing, Greg? I'm doing well. I got a late start here. Um, First of all, the last guy that was on the line, I, I guess he didn't watch the Miami-Florida State game last year. We destroyed them. It wasn't even, a, it wasn't even close. Yeah, but, but I think you would agree that Florida State, oh, they're always going to have athletes. Like the Miami-Florida State but game is, is usually going to be a knockdown drag out. Well, how many – didn't Dalvin Cook beat us three years in a row, basically? Yeah. He had but, them beat almost every but what's, game. But, but, so but what's, that, what, what's that mean? I mean, you know, it's, you know you're, you're always going to have a great player on, on, on these, on, that can beat you. Well, anyway, if we have to worry about University of Alabama, Birmingham, where this program's in a lot worse shape than we think. Because they got trounced 49-7 to by FAU last year in the championship game of the Conference USA. If Manny Diaz loses to UAB... Yeah, but, but wait, time out. But did, didn't they also beat Louisiana Tech? Didn't they beat Louisiana Tech? Of course we did. Our season went in the toilet last year. Okay, but but I'm just saying they they. Okay, but Greg, they beat Louisiana Tech, which shut us out in the bowl game. Now I understand the team was only half there and the whole thing. I get it, but if you know, I mean, should we win the game by three touchdowns? Yeah, but I don't think you can assume anything after what you saw last year. Can you? Well, I know. Well, I know. I'm not assuming anything. You're not okay. 
I'm not uh, assuming anything. Uh, I mean, I after what we after what we watched last year, Greg, uh, and I'm expecting it to be a world better this year. But like, I'm not assuming anything. I will never assume anything ever again after what we watched last year. Who would have ever imagined? I understand you agree? that, Gary. But yeah. it was circumstance. We had the horrible kicking game. I'm sure that's going to get better this year. Our quarterback has a brain, I hope, because the other ones don't. And I, I just don't see. And Louisville, they made Jaron Williams look like freaking Pat Mahomes last year. What did we put, 52 up on him? Come on. If we, if we're, if we have to worry about beating Louisville, what what is the sense of even having a program? You, you gotta be kidding! <laughs> this is a joke, Danny. This is ridiculous. If Manny Diaz should be fired if they lose to UAB, I'm sorry to say it. Okay, one last point. Do you think there's any correlation in our ability to really recruit lately and the? Uh, and the uh, release of Nevin Shapiro from prison? Any correlation there? No. No. Why would there be a. Why would. I don't understand. What? You, what? you know something's going on down in Miami, okay? We're not getting all these great players with. These same guys are not. Oh, so you, oh, okay. Now I get it. So you're 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 tongue in cheek trying to suggest that there's extracurricular activities going on now, and that's why they're. Right on the ball. Right. Well, that's you know what? We're gonna have Roland. We're gonna have we're gonna have Roland Smith on the show soon, and I'm gonna ask him to talk about why he thinks that Miami's doing better in South Florida in recruiting. So okay. you know we'll yeah we'll um you know we'll we'll see what he says, but um. You know, I don't. I don't think that's fair. I, I, I think that the coronavirus has had a big impact. I, I think that a lot of these kids now, um, you know, are not having the same opportunity to go to other schools and visit and build relationships with those coaching staffs. And I think that the whole experience of this coronavirus and the fear and the uncertainty about the future has made a lot of parents want to have their kids closer. And I think that they've taken advantage of it. That's my opinion. But. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sure others might have a different opinion. So, you know, we'll see. Anyway, Greg, I'm gonna. Um, I got. We got Roland on the line now, actually. So I'm gonna. Um, I'm gonna switch gears and bring him on, and uh, you, you give us a call next week. All right, bye now. All right, guys, it's time for our point counterpoint segment. I'm gonna bring in um, the voice of the fan, Bruce Warner, who's um, got a um, a well known former player on the line tonight, um, you know, Roland Smith, a guy that was just a sensational cornerback for the Canes from 1987 to 1990, and has probably been the most successful head coach in South Florida high school football. You know, I, I don't know who, who else, do we, you know, I would say has done better than Roland. I mean, the guy's put up, I think, eight state championships now, has Miami Central every year as one of the better teams in the country. Um, and a guy that I personally think at some point here down the road would be a great candidate to become part of 
the Miami Hurricane coaching staff, whether it's you know for Manny Diaz or or, or somebody else. And uh, Bruce Roland, uh, welcome to Kane Sport Live. Thanks for having me. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Roland's a great guy. We, we've both known him for a really long time, and I'm real happy in, for his success. Uh, and, and it's and it's really awesome. I, I, is that true? You are like the, the, I I guess you're talking about former Kane coaches, but still he's he's the mo- one of the most successful in uh, South Florida. I mean, I don't know who I would put ahead. I mean, you know, George Smith, I guess, would have been right there, but he's not coaching anymore. And you know, there's there's I mean, there's there's other guys that have success, but I mean, Roland. I mean, you've, you, you've gotten it done. Why don't you just go ahead and, and, and tell us what's the secret sauce and, and why, do you think you've, why do you think you've been so successful as a high school football coach in South Florida? Oh, man, I think I've been so successful in South Florida as a high school football coach is, um, because I have a good support staff, you know, um, starting with my principal, um, someone who always believed in me no matter where I've been at when I was at Miami Northwestern and at Miami Central. Um, good ads, um, you know they pretty much um, give me what I want. You know, work with me. They know I'm in. You know, I have the best interest of the kids. Great assistant coaches too. You're only as good as your assistant coaches. And you can check around the county. A lot of my assistant coaches who have left me, if they left me, they left to be a head coach at, at another program, not to just leave to go be an assistant coach somewhere else. And to have a, um, a staff that's stuck together, that's uh, been around a better staff. Uh, we kind of know each other. We kind of got a good cohesiveness working with each other, and also have some great student-athletes. You, know, you can't win without some great student-athletes, but you got to put them in position to make plays. And, and I think myself and my staff, we do a tremendous job of making sure that we put them in good positions to make plays and, and be successful. Is that something you would like to do, wind up at Miami? I mean, I think that uh, one day, if it's God's willing, you know, if it's something that God's want, you know, I would love to be able to you know, go to my alma mater and, one day, and I'll coach at the collegiate level if I have an opportunity. But um, if not, you know, I've been, you know, I've been blessed to um, do what I've been doing at the high school level. But um, at the end of the day, it's about working with young men, and I would love to help. You know, um, one day um, try to bring my my alma mater to back to the promise that what it was. And I think Manny and his staff is doing a tremendous job of doing what they're doing um, right now with recruiting um, during this time of, uh, uh, with this pandemic and everything. And uh, so he's doing a good job right now. We just got to go out there and just go out and play ball and just, you know, make sure we get some W's. And I think he would do that this year. Yeah, so follow up with Gary said when he was talking to the last caller, Greg, about, you know, he's insinuating that Miami's paying people. But you know what, what's going on. These, they're working hard. And so t- talk to us about how they're so successful with these kids, like James Williams and Taylor and those guys. And, hope, and, hopefully, and hopefully your guy, Amari Daniels. That's insane for him to say something like that. I mean, those guys down there just, just putting in the good work and recruiting, you know, doing things the right way and um, just building a relationship with the kids. And, um, and the kids, you know, um, see what they're doing. You know, man, he did a tremendous job of going out and getting a high-power offensive coordinator to come in and try to, you know, run the type of offense style that you need to run down here in South Florida with spread offense, you know, making sure those kids can go out there and, you know, play fast. And then he have a defensive style of, of defense that he's running with the four three, and the defense been successful. So those kids see that hey, if we come in and do what we're supposed to do, we don't have to go nowhere outside of our uh, city of Miami and, and state of uh, city of Miami to be successful to go to different schools to, to have a chance to go to the league and get a good education at the University of Miami. 
Roland, why do you no, think so many kids yeah, have gotten away from South Florida? Why, you know, why, you know, along those lines, why do you think it, it's been such a struggle, really, for like ten years now, some with so many kids leaving? These kids, um, they're so impressionable about what have you done for me lately. You know, um, I think that's been the, the biggest thing. You know, um, um, they 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 so animated about what's going on and what's happening right now, and uh, they didn't take the chance like we did when we was kids when Miami wasn't, you know, really elite. You know, when we was coming up, we wanted to build something, and we built it, and we wanted to keep it being built. So, therefore, that's why we stayed home back when we was coming out um, to the University of Miami back in the days when I was coming out of high school. And nowadays, these kids, you know, they look at, you know, what's going on with the Alabama. We wanted to beat those teams when we was playing. We wanted to show them that hey, guys from South Florida can beat a powerhouse um, team like Alabama, Notre Dame, Michigan, you know, and, and et cetera, Oklahoma. So, I mean, we went out and we did it week in and week out, you know. So that was our goal, and that's what we was able to accomplish while we was there at the University of Miami. So can you talk about uh, – we have Roland Smith on the phone, head coach at Central, former King, great. We, uh, and, and so you talk about – Gary, in the opening part of the show, which I don't think you heard, but I heard, analyzed the offensive line, all of the positions on the team. You know, and there's some weaknesses. There's some areas of concern. But as the head coach, and you know what Manny did and you know what he didn't do last year, talk about what he has to do this year with the kids and their attitudes and then in-game adjustments and things like that, things that he was very poor at last year. I mean, he's had a great offseason, but now the season starts in nine days. Go ahead, Roland. Talk about that. Well, I just know, I just know um, the one thing that those kids have to have, they got to have a belief that no matter who they play, week in and week out, they, they, they got to go out there and get the job done. I know that's what I do in my program, no matter who we play. I mean, like I tell guys, we're named school two on, on everybody's schedule, so – they know when they come to play us, they're going to get their A game, with our best game, and, and we're going to give them their best game. And uh, you just have to be prepared. you got to be able to uh, compete for 48 minutes, you know. Um, Whether it was probably a weekend, I must say, um, when you give up so many sacks like they did last year, I'm quite sure those kids went in the weight room and took it to the heart and, and went there and got bigger, faster, and stronger, and ready to um, redeem themselves and prove themselves this year. They got a new old line coach and, Garrett, uh, and Coach Justice, and I think he's going to do a tremendous job with them. And um, it should be a much improvement up front. I mean, because you can't, you're only as good as the people up front um, can block for you. And you're only as good as the defensive line up front can you know, make pressure for you. So they, they added some new pieces, and um, they seem like they got, you know, some good returning players coming back on the defensive line that's going to help create pressure to make sure it be easy for the, the defensive backs on the back end to make plays. And that's what it's all about, being cohesive, having a cohesiveness on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball to be successful. If they can do that, and stay turnover free. I don't see why they can't have a successful season because they have the talent and the, and, uh, and the coaching staff over there to get it done. And Manny, we must trust. Yeah, well, you would think that they're going to score 30, 35, 38, 40 points a game with Lashley there as the offensive coordinator, as opposed to last year and with De'Ara King as the quarterback. So, But I do want to talk about the defense because you played defense and your front four and your linebackers were incredible when you were there. But Gary pointed out, and rightfully so, the, the DNs are good. Even the depth is good. It's the D-tackles. Talk about the significance of those D tackles playing well, because if they don't, I believe that it's just the snowball effect. It hits the corners, it hits the linebackers, and it becomes a mess. You know, the D tackles. Talk about what they need to do in terms for success on the defense this year. Well, anytime you run a four-three defense, you have to have two 
uh, you got to have some dominant defensive tackles that can be disruptive and, and get into the rush lane and make sure they create havoc up front so they can free up their linebackers, especially the mic backers, to make plays and be able to run from sideline to sideline. And those guys, you know, they uh, played uh, pretty good last year, but they got to play even better this year. They want to step their game up. And every year, you know, um, you got to want to be better if you're trying to go to the next level and you're trying to get seen. The only way you can do that is by going out there and making plays and being disruptive. And, um, you know, um, I know I coach um, the kid Nestor in the Army All-American Bowl game, and um, I think it's just time for him to step up and be that type of guy along with John Ford who's been around for a minute, you know, yeah. as well as those guys who backing them up. So it's just time for those guys to step up and, 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 and take charge up front. All right, Roland, look, you're a coach, so you are as qualified as anybody to talk about schemes. And there is an assumption right now amongst the fan base, without question, that this move to the up-tempo spread with Rhett Lashley is the end-all to be-all for Miami Hurricane football, and that we are now going to get back to winning championships, that this is the perfect offense for South Florida kids, um, and the scheme is going to make the difference. My question to you is, how much of a difference does scheme make? And if you, if you agree with that notion that this up-tempo spread is going to be um, the, holy, the holy grail, I guess you could say, from, from Miami football, why? Um, be- because of the, the, the talent we have in South Florida, I think the scheme would fit our kids, uh, you know, um, real good. But um, I'm of the notion that you have to win championships by playing great defense. If you don't play great defense, you're not going to be successful. So they still have to, you know, score points, but defense wins championships. And for us to win a championship, we have to stop people from scoring. We have to be the ones on the side of the ball to get a ball back to the offense and create turnovers. Well, you can just remember when they was uh, when they when they won those ten straight games a year, um, they were successful and went to um, the the Orange Bowl. If I'm not mistaken, they uh, played great defense and they turned the ball over and they made things happen. So when it, they had a championship caliber defense, but um, our offense just wasn't up to the championship caliber of offense that year. But um, if we'd had that type of offense with that defense, I think that team could have won a, a championship or could have been up there right real high, which they were throughout that year. You know, so. I'm under the notion that you got to play great defense in the championships. And um, like I say, the offense is going to be a better offense fitted for our kids from South Florida. You'll see. How important is scheme, though? Like, is, is, how important are the actual schemes in football? Schemes are very important, but you got to have the personnel to run, you know, to, uh, to execute your schemes, too. You know, you just – you can be scheming all you want to. If you don't have no Jimmy's and Joe's to, to uh, run your scheme up to perfection – you ain't gonna be successful. Let's get it. Let's, let's let's make that one clear that you got to have great ball players, and I think they got some good ball players that need to step up. You know, we waiting for some of these kids that's been there for a minute. Uh, need to uh, they need to take it among themselves and say, you know, this is my time to shine. You know, especially at the wide receiver position, we have some guys who've been in that program for over three to four years, at least two years or more, that need to step up to be an elite player. And they need to say, okay. Uh, such and such is gone, this person's gone, now it's time for me to be the next guy. And that's what we did when we played back in the day. We didn't worry about who we lost. We just worried about being, hey, this is my chance to be the next guy to step up and make plays for the university and for my, my teammates in this program. Yeah, you know, Gary, last year's scheme, five-step drop, seven-step drop, sack. If this kid gets rid of the ball quickly into any one of those six or seven wide receivers or the backs, 
and let them run with the ball after the catch, they're going to be really dangerous. So that, to me, I agree with Roland. The scheme is going to be significant with the talent that they have, plus the two tight ends, no less. I I think we're going to be very difficult to defend, right, Roland? I think so. I mean, um, like you say, um, those those tight ends are awesome and very difficult to uh, match up with. You know, you have um, I can recall playing against um, Trevor um, against Brevin Jordan when he was at um, Bishop Gorman. We went up there and we beat them. He was very hard, just trying to control. I mean, we played them. You know, he scored on us. We won the game. But scheme wise, I mean, with this kid and um, the kid Mallory and with the receivers in the back they have, they can be very successful. But uh, we got. We still have got to also remember that we can't do nothing if we don't block up front. That's the key. The old line going to help out and do their part. And, you know, the good thing about the scheme that Coach Lashley is running, it seems like to me that he, uh, they're trying to get the ball in the quarterback hands real quick. And the thing that you have to keep it, uh, in mind that this kid that they have at quarterback is really athletic and mobile. He can, when things break down, he knows what to do. He knows how to tuck it and run and make something happen. So that's a plus for them this year. They didn't have in, on the previous year. Roland, talk about up-tempo. You know, how, how big of an impact does the fact that they're going to be up-tempo have, and, and, and what type of effect does that have on a football game and on a defense trying to stop it? Well, up-tempo, if, if the offense run up-tempo, what type of offense, what it does, it puts the defense in a bay and it makes them they can't change in and out, make, change their personnel, and it kind of wears the defense out, you know, so – that's what it pretty much does you know, when you run an up-tempo because you don't see that every week. You know, you don't see an offensive team that run that type of style offense every week. So most times you see up-tempo schemes where they don't hike the ball as quickly. They may look to the sideline, you know, and, and look for a play. But if the up-tempo, what I'm thinking that they're going to run, they usually just go to the line and speed up and try to, you know, have two or three plays they may call or he may, the quarterback may make a play or check at the line of scrimmage to get them in, another, uh, in a particular play on, on how they're lining up on them defensively. So it can be a benefit by being an up-tempo uh, offense. They put the pressure on the defense. And it kind of wears them out. Yeah, well, if they go three and out, it wears out the defense. But I, I just think that last year's offense was so inept, third down, fourth down. I just can't believe that's going to happen again. So I'm expecting the offense to score points. I'm expecting our defense to get off to be off the field. Uh, a lot more, and I also expect as a result of all this, the other team, if they're behind, like last year, we were struggling to get out of the gate almost every single game. I, I, I think Gary will agree. But if we're ahead, the other team becomes very one-dimensional, which has always been a disaster for Miami's de- uh, uh, you know opponents. When our defense knows you got to throw the ball, all hell is breaking loose. So that's what I'm thinking is going to happen this year too. But one thing we got to keep in mind, though, is that you got to remember this team did not have a spring. No one in the nation had a spring football. So if you see uh, some sloppy play in the early part of the season, <clears throat> don't get down on those kids because um, you look at us at the high school level. We lost a spring. We haven't even had a summer. We haven't even started yet. So be patient with them. You know, don't get all on the boobers and stuff like that because things can happen. And, you know, hopefully we don't start slow, but if for some strange reason. They don't start as fast as, as you would want to start, and, and don't get down on those kids and those coaches because you know it wasn't their fault that we you know we were in a situation this year in the 2020 with this pandemic. You know. Yeah, well, UAB plays a week before we do. They're going to have one shot at this, so that's an advantage for them. Well, it's always good to have a game before you know, one of the big games, and uh, 
I'm quite sure you and me going to be able to use that to get the kinks out. We're not going to be able to have that for us. You know, we just have to go out there and be ready to play. But as long as those, as long as those kids and the coaches do a good job of scheming and they just be relaxed and just play football, something they've been doing since they were little, they'll be fine. And talk about some of your experiences down at the U. I mean, you played some big games with a lot of the people that you and I, you know, the players I know. Um, talk about what it was like being a Hurricane back then. Man, it was awesome being a Hurricane back then when I was in the college. Um, I, I would like to thank Coach Herbert Alexander, the guy who recruited me, who was a receiver coach in the Michigan who passed. Um, and um, Coach Jimmy Johnson was giving me an opportunity to play for him. I could be calling out some out of high school. I could have went anywhere in the country. And um, Jimmy, Jimmy told me he was offering me. He wanted me to come. I told him I was coming, but I said, Coach, I'm, I'm a kid. I've been in the city, never been on a plane, never been nowhere. Just let me go visit some schools just to see what other schools were like. I've heard this story before. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> Jimmy told me, he said, you know, hey, one thing I need to do is say, you tell me you're coming, you're coming. I want my whole scholarship. I told him, I said, Coach, I'm a man of my word. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a king. I just want to just, you know, just – see what's out there and stuff like that and was able to visit some other schools and, and realized that, hey, man, um, what I was looking for was right here in South Florida, right in my backyard. I didn't have to go, you know, get on no plane to go miles and miles away to play in a great program for a great city. And one thing about this city, once you, when you're winning and you're, doing, and you're being successful, boy, the support pours out. You know, this city thrives on winners. And, and back then when we played, Every city we went into, all the kids, everybody wanted to wear our paraphernalia. I could be calling, we played Texas, University of Texas, in Texas. And I was saying, man, I know the crowd and everybody's going to be against us when we go up there. And I was stunned when we went to the mall. You know, we had a little time up there in Texas. We seen so many people from from, from Texas, Dallas, Texas, wearing our paraphernalia, you know, wearing all the hurricane stuff. And they were saying, we rooting for you guys. I mean, we like y'all style. We like the way you all play. You know, and I was surprised being out there getting ready to play the Texas Longhorn. All the support we had out there, and we went out there and we put on the show for those people in the, in, in the state of Texas, you know. So I wouldn't change it to nothing in the world. <clears throat> um, I got to develop a lot of friendships, a lot of close friends and brothers that um, I still call my brothers to this day. A lot of them, you know, doing some tremendous things as far as coaching, you know, real estate, you know, um, played professionally, you know, just doing positive things in their lives. And um, I wouldn't change it for nothing in the world. And, I, and I'm grateful to be a Miami Hurricane. Awesome. Roland, really you have proud. a um, Roland. You have a running back that I know yeah. I personally really, really, really like, and I'm sure you obviously like him all quite a bit too. Um, Amari Daniels. Uh, Miami's been recruiting him. He's also been looking at Texas A&M. Um, I know Thaddeus Franklin is still in the picture at running back, but there's some question whether he's going to stick or go to Florida State. Um, where do things stand with Amari Daniels in Miami? Well, I know he was uh, still um, you know, being recruited by Miami, and he's still looking at them. You know, he's got some other options on the table, too. You know, he just wears options, you know, and he just want to see if there were some other programs that's recruiting him, uh, what they do this year, because they tell him they're going to go to a certain type of offense, but he want to, you know, make sure to see it in person and see how I do. But one thing about Amari, he's not scared to compete. Um, I can recall when he came to me as a ninth grader coming from the middle school, he knew we had four other backs on my team, and he still came, and he competed, and, and we rotated five backs. You know, when you hear a kid like Franklin was worrying about if this kid come back or that kid come back, you know, I mean, I want guys who want to compete to be on, on my team. And if you don't want to compete and you're talking about you want to go to school and you got a guarantee you're going to play, 
Now, if you go to the NFL, you ain't going to have a chance to tell nobody that, you know, hey, don't draft this guy, don't draft that guy because um, that's going to make you compete. Man, you want to compete. That's all. That's what life is all about. You know, so if these kids trying to go somewhere because they weren't about uh, competing and not competing uh, against um, the top guys, you, they don't need to be a part of the program. And I hope that kid decided to be a part of the program because he's a great kid too as well. Um, I, I've known this kid. He played on, on the same offense team with my son when, when um, he played at Cooper City. I know his parents as well. Uh, so I hope he uh, sticks and be a hurricane. But, you know, um, Amari, like I was saying earlier, He's wearing his option, and uh, Miami's in there right now. You know, we'll see. It's going to be, you know, how I know he was intrigued about the new offense because it's kind of a style offense that we run at Miami Central. And um, uh, Coach Lashley's been doing a tremendous job, and Coach Hickson, you know, trying to to show him, along with Coach Diaz, about, you know, why he should stay home in South Florida and be a part of what they're trying to get done. Uh, If he he does decide to go there, I mean, he would he'd be a kid that would go in there and compete with the with the Chaneys and, and the Knight and and um the rest of them guys. He 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 gonna do him. He don't worry about what, what he just he just gonna worry about what he does. And he does a tremendous job. He's a, to me he's probably the best back out there in the nation. You know I mean, he, I wouldn't trade him for no back in the in the, in the nation um, in the high school nation right now because he's that good of a talent. You know, and he's a great kid. You know, um his father used to coach for me and his mother's a school teacher so. I mean, whoever picked this kid is going to get a phenomenal um, uh, running back. Is he going to wait all the way to the end to make a decision, or do you think he'll make it maybe middle of the season? If there is, if you guys might not even have a season. <laughs> uh, I don't think he's going to wait to, to the end, you know. Um, but I think he's going to probably try to see, um, you know, what certain teams do who's you know who's supposed to be playing, you know, because um, he has some some um, some big time schools after him, and, and uh, Miami is one of them. But like you say, he's going to probably. Wait till the beginning of the season just to see, you know, um, the schemes and see how these these schemes work, and see if it's a fit for him. You know, because um, I know he was intrigued about um, uh, Texas A&M because of Jimbo Fisher for what he did at Florida State and with Dalvin Cook and stuff like that. So he's the type of person that want to see the system, you know, and he's he just evaluating. And uh, he knows I'm the type of head coach that don't want no kid. If you commit, I don't want you to decommit. You know, I want you to stick it out. But you know, you have kids that commit and decommit, but you know, they 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 are young men, but he's doing it the right way. You know, he's not trying to rush anything, and um, he sees what they're doing, and he sees that they they um you know signing some of the top players in the area, and um uh, if he sees fits that Miami is the school for him, so I'll be happy for him. You know, wherever he go, but I'll be even happy for him if he be a hurricane. But if he goes to anywhere else, I'll be happy for him because I know, you know, it was where he wanted to go. You know. Sounds like he's you know, waiting for, for somebody to make a decision at Texas A&M. That's what it sounds like to me. Huh. That's what, it sounds like he's waiting for somebody to make a decision about going to Texas A&M because there's nobody other than Franklin that's, that Miami's waiting for, of course, other than Amari Daniels. So I, maybe I'm wrong, but that's how I read what you just said. Nah, he's not waiting on nobody from Texas A&M. I mean, I mean he got more than Texas A&M to uh, get to decide between, you know, uh, between. So he got, you know, he got Georgia, he got Penn State, he got Miami, he got Texas A&M, you know. But, um, no, nah, he's not waiting for no particular um, kid or anybody to sign like uh, go to a certain school. And he's not scared because Franklin, you know, is, is, is committed there. You know, so he's not that type of kid. I'm telling you, trust me. Okay. Uh, Roll, Roland will um, wherever he goes. He won't. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go I was ahead. gonna. I, no, I was just gonna ask you. Will they be playing football in Dade County this year? Well, it seems like we about to get ready to get started. We're taking our physicals next Saturday um, on the fifth. 
So that's a great sign. You know, um, the kids are going to their own doctors or either going uh, or making appointments to take physical with us at our school on Saturday. And um, then we'll start paying insurance. Then we're going to phase one where we'll be able to start working out our kids. And after that, they'll let us know when we officially uh, have our starting date. So hopefully they'll make that real soon. Well, I wish you the best, man. I really do. And I hope all these kids, all the kids are safe and all the players are safe and the coaches are safe because I would hate to have anything happen. It's just been a horrible, horrible year. But um, thanks for coming on the show. I mean, you know, you've got, you and I have been buddies for a long, long time. And as I said, I told Gary, I just spoke to Herbert James, who's one of your, you know, your, your running mate at DB. So brings back a lot of great memories for us. Well, thanks for having me at any time, fellas. If you uh, want me to talk and be a, a part of your program, I'd love to come on and go Rocket. Go Rocket. All, All right, right, Roland. Thank, thank you, man. And, Bruce, uh, thank you. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Talk to you later. Take care, Roland. All right, Roland Smith and Bruce Warner. Um hope you guys enjoyed that segment. Um thought it was very insightful. Um, his running back, Amari Daniels, is absolutely the real deal. And I think everybody out there should be hoping that things work out in the end and he ends up committing to the Hurricanes um, because he does have that kind of potential. All right, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. Uh, got a pretty wide open board. Now's the time um, to, to get in there. You hit the number one on your keypad if you'd like to come on the show. Let's go now to the 727. You are live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. It's Jake from St. Pete. What did you say your name is? You broke up a little bit. Jake from St. Pete. Jake. All right, what's up, can Jake? You How you doing yeah. this week? Yep, we can hear you. Doing good. Sounds good. Um, so this week, uh, you know, like with the depth chart and everything kind of coming together, what uh, what do you see? Are you hearing stuff about like uh, what the potential uh, ramifications of the 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 scholarship numbers, the the um, you know, just the, the direction of the roster management really for everyone? Um, what's your what's your take on that right now? Yeah. I don't think they know right now, to be honest with you. I, I think it's all just uh, kind of open. I, you know, everyone's kind of like feeling their way through this. Obviously, they are going to have to at some point make some concessions. Uh, you know, if, if you're allowing everybody to play this year without losing a year of eligibility. What kind of phone are you on? You've got a lot of static there. But, um, in fact, um I'm just going to mute you, mute you for a minute while while I answer, and then I'll I'll come back to you. But yeah, you do have a lot of static on that phone line. But um, so you know, when you're allowing everybody to play this year without um, it counting as a year of eligibility, and you're going to bring in a full recruiting class, obviously you're going to have more than 85 players next year, and I think the NCAA is going to have to make allowances for that. Um, but they have not said yet exactly what that's going to mean and, and what that and what the number is going to be and if there's going to be a limit and, and is this extra year going to count? Like, you know, if, if you're a freshman, does that mean you now have six years to play? I mean, who knows? You know, I mean, I don't I don't I, I'm not sure they've quite ironed all that out. I think they just wanted to come out with a policy and make players comfortable with the fact that if they start and they only play two, three games or they don't get a full season in, 
um, they, acknowledging that they didn't have a spring practice and maybe they didn't get the chance to have the full development of this year, that anything that happens this year will not be relevant to their eligibility. And, you know, they would have the opportunity to, to make that up over time. Yeah, no, no, makes perfect sense. What about, uh, do you think, you know, that this could potentially be a bonus for Miami? You know, there's guys that look like, you know, John Ford, hopefully he puts it together this year. Uh, same thing Mike Harley, you know, they, they've been good, but just never really, you know, put together like a great season or anything. But guys like that sticking around, I guess, you know, to me, it, it kind of seems like you could, you could be looking at a pro and con there because, uh, you know, one, one thing that's definitely plagued Miami in the past is guys just, uh, you know, getting frustrated the second they don't get uh, playing time. And, you know, you get a little bit of a log jam there. But the flip side, you know, Miami, well, I mean, what this year, what are they starting, like six seniors? You know, they need to get older. And, you know, to me, this looks like a great opportunity for the team to to finally get some, uh, you know, upperclassmen, uh, you know, maybe uh, sticking around a little while longer and, uh, you know, catch up with, like, Clemson or Alabama, who's, you know, typically always playing upperclassmen as opposed to, you know, like everyone's been trashing, you know, uh, Mark Pope and DJ Ivy and Al Blades. Well, they were sophomores last year. They're true sophomores, like, how many teams are expecting, you know, eight true sophomores to come out and light it up in a season? You know, you can't really expect well, great results when you've got that. I think you're making a great point. I, I think getting older could could be a great thing for this program. Um, let's be honest, they're not able to recruit a lot of elite players right now. Uh, certainly not coming off a, a six and seven season. Um, you know, you're going to have a limited number of elite players that you're going to be able to get. You're not going to be able to go outside of the South Florida area and probably compete with the Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, and Ohio States um, of the world for the top players in the country. So a way to counter that and, and make yourself competitive to where you can win games and then maybe you can get to the point where you can compete for, in recruiting for the best players is you get older and then you play with older players that have developed and, and maybe are outplaying their star rankings and things like that. And maybe you could pull out a few football games that you're not supposed to win. So um, yeah, like if you can have a Mike Harley for an extra year, um, there's, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. Um, so they have to make it work to their advantage. Yeah, no, absolutely. I got a question. This, this may be a little abstract, but uh, what do you think, uh, you know, to me, I, I think the ACC as a whole really has an opportunity to, to gain some ground here. Uh, just, you know, not, not playing football for a year. I think that's going to mess up a lot of Pac-10 and Big 12 programs, or uh, uh, Pac-12 or Pac-10 or whatever, uh, you know, programs. You know, you, you look like uh, – I know you've been super high on, uh, you know, Mario and what he's doing out there in uh, in Oregon. But, you know, taking a year off of football, you never know what's going to come back on the opposite end of that. I mean, yeah. You know, I agree with you. Real high end. Um, yeah, you, you just never know what guys are going to do. Uh, you know, I listened to uh, 
I, I can't remember if it was uh, you guys talking about it or, or uh, someone else, but just, uh, you know, like, like even just the impact, of, you know, with some of the guys or teams not playing uh, uh, their senior year. Uh, you know, like Jake Garcia going out to uh, to Valdosta to play. You know, um, that to me is big. Uh, a lot of a lot of players out on the West Coast and uh, you know uh, Northeast and whatnot who aren't getting to play. I think this could really upend the uh, the college football landscape for you know, years to come. I was just curious what your take is. Yeah, I, I I think you're making a great point. I mean, it's disruptive for sure. I mean, you know, we're focused here because we lost Greg Rousseau, but you know, you mentioned um, you know Oregon for example. I I know he's got an offensive tackle that's going to be in the top three four picks in the draft. Uh, I know he has a safety that's going to be a very high first round draft pick. Those kids probably will never put on a a Oregon uniform again. And you could go right on down the line. Georgia's got guys like you know like like that that that, that you know well, I mean, the SEC is going to play. But you know, an Ohio State would have a lot of guys like that. For example, if they don't play, um, even like the yeah, USC's of the world, probably not the US Jersey on again. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of guys that will never play. And then also along with that, there's going to be a lot of younger players that, that aren't going to develop at the same rate because they're not playing this year. So yeah, it's, it's, this has got far reaching impact in a lot of different areas. I think there is going to be pressure on some of those conferences. If the ACC and the SEC and the, and the big club can get this thing going and they, you know, they get into October and they're still playing games. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on those other conferences to, kind of crank it up a little bit and find out some way to do something. I don't think they really can, though. I mean, kind of, I mean, you know, like if the, if the Big Ten, I, I know today there's some rumblings with, uh, you know, Trump uh, talking with the Big Ten commissioner or whatnot, but, you know, really the, the window to me is closing because you've got, uh, you know, you've got a situation where – Come January, you got you know Senior Bowl, you got the NFLs in the middle of playoffs, you got the Combine in February, and I don't think the NFL is gonna you know go holding up their uh, routine no, they're schedule not. on 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 the uh, behalf of the you know uh, the two conferences you set out. So you know if, if you're not on the way by October, I mean, what are you gonna do? Play a five game season? That ain't gonna you know do. You know, I mean, maybe they can be talked into it for a month or something. You know, if they if they cranked it up, you know, soon here. But you know, you're probably making a good point. Yeah. So that's all I got for you this week. Uh, yeah, looking forward to the. Uh, oh, well, one question. Uh, if you hit anything, uh, how's it looking with tickets? Are those uh, are those going? Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, they're in the they're in the process of giving people choices of games and allocating them out, and they're going to allow thirteen thousand people in and see how it goes. I'm a, I'm a year one guy, so I'm uh, I'm trying to find out what's going on with that because uh, I'm pretty much the last to pick for that. So yeah, they, they, they probably they probably have not got they. They probably have not gotten to you yet. You know, no, I, no, I, I don't I, go till Saturday, so I yeah, got, I'm like, I got a few more days to sweat it out. I mean, I'm sure that the the Golden Canes are getting to go to whatever games they want. You know, I'm sure that that's the case. And then as they work down the list, you know, they'll they'll see how many tickets are left or not left, and go from there. I think yep, a lot of people yep. are, are going to decide themselves not to go just because they don't want to deal with the whole thing. Like they don't want to, you know, they don't want to 
risk anything and they don't want to not be able to tailgate and, and have the whole experience and be in a, a you know, a, a an 80% empty stadium and things like that. You know, so there's so, yeah, I, I want to go to a game or two. Um, you know, I, I, I've been a lifelong Kings fan, but uh, um, when uh, I lived in South Florida briefly in the early 2000s and uh, as a young man, couldn't afford tickets back then. <laughs> I got to go to a couple games at the Orange Bowl, but uh, yeah, for the last 20 years, I've been watching them, uh, you know, I'll make a trip out of it, go see them in a bowl game or there's a good matchup somewhere, you know, last year I was in North Carolina, a couple of times to see them, and uh, Virginia, and, you know, so doing that, but, uh, yeah, really, I just want to get to the stadium once, uh, maybe twice, if I can get FSU tickets, I'm not uh, not banking on that, being that I'm <laughs> last up, but, uh, yeah, it'll, uh, no, it'll be interesting, though, it's going to be, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, to me, wearing a mask out in that heat, I'm glad it's a night game, or, you know, some of these are looking like night games, because I couldn't imagine being in 90 degree heat, and, you know, even if you pull that down below your nose a little bit, that's, uh, <laughs> right. I don't know how fun that's going to be, so, yep, well, we'll see what happens, about eight days, so. All right, man, thank you for being part of the show. All right, good, good talking to you, yep. Thank you got you. it. Call, give, give us a call next week. All right, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Um, got a pretty wide open board, so we encourage you to make that call right now and, and get in the queue. Um, right now I am going to switch gears here, and we're going to bring in – our Kane Sport Managing Editor, Matt Shodell, who's um, been on the front lines of trying to cover a training camp that you're not allowed to please step foot on the field. Um, and, and Matt, we, we've both been doing this for a long time. Uh, I, I mean, this would have been something like my 40th, 41st Miami Hurricane training camp, something like that. Um, and it's just bizarre. You know, not being able to be out there on the field and 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 you know make our own evaluations and having to just you know kind of piece everything together and try to come up with a consensus on what's going on uh, without question a very unique preseason. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know what's weirdest to me is like usually even after you've watched all the spring practice that we get to watch and, you know, the, the fall practices that we get to watch and get all the feedback, you know, in person and all that stuff. Like you really still don't know what's going to happen in the first game because let's face it, they're practicing against each other, you know? So if the defense looks great, well, is it just the offense bad is bad or is the defense really great? And the offense is pretty good too. You know, it's always harder to tell. So even though we haven't been able to see it to me, there's just as much mystery when we're able to see it and they face an opponent, you know, it's just like we have much less insight into the depth chart to me. That's really what the crux of the matter is this year is just because we haven't been able to see the reps they're getting, the lineups they're using and practices like we're usually able to see, like we really are speculating a lot on, you know, who is going to be where and what it's going to look like. You know, they really haven't as coaches given us a lot of insight into the depth chart at all. And we have asked, so that to me is the weirdest thing. It's like, why the big secret? You know, it's the game's next Thursday. You know, I, it's a new offensive system. I don't think UAB is going to get a ton of uh, advantage, if any advantage, just from knowing, you know, what the starting offensive line might look like or the backup offensive line or who the number two quarterback is or things like that. 
that Miami's keeping this deep secret on right now. But, you know, other than that, to me, it's, it's the same sort of mystery entering a year as there would be any other year in, in the sense that, you know, even though, you know, we've seen some really good performances by the offense statistically in the scrimmages, um, especially the first scrimmage, like you still don't know if the offense is going to be good because maybe the defense just had a bad day or didn't look good. They were missing some players, you know, so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in game one. All right, I gave my synopsis of the way I think the team's coming together and, 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 and what I'm seeing at, at the beginning of the show. Um, why don't you take the floor here and, and give everybody an idea of what, you're, what, what you are seeing just in, in, in putting it all together and what you think this team's going to look like. Yeah, well, I can't say I've had 41 years of, of uh, experience covering the team. I've had 20, which is still a lot. Uh, but you know, I'm, it, it just it just means I'm older, Matt, which is not, which is not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, it's just in my personality and just sort of the way I've always seen things. So like, I'll believe it when I see it now because there was a period of time, you know, in the mid 2000s, even to late 2000s, where it was like that optimism was there. Like, listen, they're going to get back to it. They've had good recruits. They're going to develop them. It's going to be a great team again. But now it's been so long. And it just seems like there's always this preseason, preseason glow every year. Like, oh, you know, even before last year, the team was supposed to be great, you know. And Jaron Williams was going to be the answer. And the offensive line was going to be fine. And the defensive line was going to be amazing, which it was pretty good, obviously. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm just – it's just to me, I'll believe it when I see it. I mean, they, they still were terrible at the end of last season. And, and to me, like, what's changed, okay? They have a new offensive system, system and a new quarterback. And I think Derrick King's going to be great, you know, potentially, but there's some, like, caveats there. You know, every full season he's tried to play, he's been hurt. And last season, the four games he did play, he was sacked 12 times. And, look, like, like they're not playing the, the same competition level at Houston. They're going to be playing at Miami. Miami's offensive line is not real good. Like, there are some, like, red flags I see. Um, the other big red flag I see on the offensive side – is yeah, it's great. Right, last year's bringing a new offense in, and and the you know the glass half full picture is oh my gosh, his system's gonna have the ball out quick, spread the field. The offensive line won't even matter as much if they have bust because of, of that, and and the much more agile quarterback. You know that's great, but to me, like the way I look at it is, they've had much less time to prepare with a brand new quarterback and a brand-new offensive system and a brand-new offensive coordinator compared to other teams that have the same system in place from a year ago. And what I mean by that is with COVID, it's been, to me, they haven't talked about it enough, but it's been a real detriment for Miami. They needed, more than any other team probably in the conference, those 15 spring practices and the full off-season summer doing seven-on-sevens and, and getting back in training camp full go and being in the weight room all the time and, and you know, being around coaches the hours they would have been allowed to be around them in the offseason uh, into the fall, simply because on offense, if you're running a super fast tempo offense, these guys got to know, like, the back of their hand what they're doing. And, and if they don't because of all this missed time, which, you know, I mean, let's say I've covered the team a long time. I mean, I don't care how simple an offensive system is. <laughs> you don't just pick it up real quick. Um, there's going to be some hiccups. So if there are hiccups on offense and you're going that fast and your defense isn't that deep, your defense is going to play 90 to 100 snaps a game on defense if the offense is having a few three-and-out series along the way. I mean, that's, a, that's real worrisome to me. Like, those are the red flags, okay? The glass half full is 
offense is going to be great with a new coordinator. Derek King's the answer. The receivers will be fine, even though there's not, you know, any real numbers they come back with. Tight ends are probably the best tandem in the country. Um, you know, the defense will be good enough. I, I personally think that, you know, losing Gregory or so on defense is, is a big deal. People want to say Jalen Phillips is going to be great. Quincy Roche is going to be fine. And look, that might be the case. You know, Jalen Phillips was a five-star. Um, but again, I'll believe it when I see it. Like when he gets 10 sacks this year, I'll be like, okay, this is, this is good. But Quincy Roche had the 10 sacks last year, 10 plus sacks last year, but it was at Temple, you know, like let's see if he can do it against better offensive linemen, bigger offensive linemen, stronger offensive linemen that you're going to see in the ACC game in and game out. And without Gregory Rousseau now, one of these guys will get double teamed, you know, all the time. And, uh, and without great defensive tackles, and I don't see great defensive tackles on this team for what Miami, you know, is used to having up the middle in the, in the days when they were dominating, like they could probably, you know, other teams can probably game plan to double team both those ends if they have to and and not worry as much about the interior of the defense so you know and then you got all new linebackers you know you got cornerbacks that haven't proven it like there's just like a lot of question marks i know fans want to say that everything's going to be great it's going to be amazing and uh you know covering the team it's a lot more fun to cover a winning team than a losing team so sure i hope that's the case and it, it better be the case because if it's not the case and miami doesn't do well this year I mean, the recruiting class, all the work they put in, this, this coaching staff, man, I mean, they put in the time for this program, man. I mean, they bleed for this program. They love this program. They put in so much time to put together a great 2021 recruiting class, and it is an amazing class in my opinion. But if they don't do well this season, and, you know, I privately told Gary this in the past, like, it almost isn't the end of the world if there's no season this year because they can't have a bad season, right? So they keep the class together no matter what. To me, they're not a national championship team. You know, they're not going to be able to beat Clemson this year. So, like, it's great for the fans to have games and everything, but if this team doesn't do well and this recruiting class falls apart, that's a total freaking disaster. That's the one thing that cannot happen. Miami has to have, you know, a nine and three or, or 10 win season or something like that. They just have to. And it's a tougher schedule with all ACC. So, uh, you know, like I said, it's my personality to be, to be worried and I've laid out why I'm worried and I've laid out why things might be great. Um, so, you know, I don't know what else to tell you. That's just sort of how I see things. Well, you know, I can't figure out how I feel about the schedule. You know, I, I look at the schedule. I see two top 20 teams on the schedule, Clemson and North Carolina, and everybody else is just a team, okay, just like Miami. So, you know, on the surface, you want to say, okay, this is a favorable schedule. They can really, you know, t exploit this and take advantage of it. But then I start going down it. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, obviously the UAB, which is a respectable team. Obviously, they should beat them. But it is going to be the first game. UAB is going to have a game under their belt. And it's going to be the first game in a, with a new offensive system, a lot of new players in new roles on defense. And we saw last year what can happen in that kind of situation. And, you know, even early in the year against Central Michigan, that game was life or death. Okay. So we don't know what's going to happen really in, in the UAB game. You'd like to think Miami's going to win by two, three touchdowns. Okay. Then they got to go on the road at Louisville. Now, Louisville's defense is not very good. And you'd like to think Miami should be able to score a lot of points in that game. Um, except for the fact that, like you just pointed out, they had no spring practice. They've never used the system in a game. You, you know, you've got a, a new quarterback who, who's, who's now going to have to get used to game speed, which I don't care what anybody says. It's different than practice field speed, no matter what. And 
there's going to be a lot, a, a huge adjustment going on at the same time that you now are going to need to score a lot of points at Louisville because their offense is going to be one of the better offenses in the country. So, um, you know, that, that, that's, that's a tough challenge it, it, because of that. Then the week after that, you got to play Florida state. Now, you know, we all just assume Florida state's down and they are, you know, they're not the Florida state that we're used to seeing, but, you know, they have a new coach who's a extremely good football coach in Mike Norville. And, you know, we, we, we don't know what, what they're going to bring to the table in, in, in that game. And, and you might still be finding yourself if you're Miami. We'll see how it plays out. And then you got to go play at Clemson, okay? So, you know, do you feel good or bad if you come out of those first four weeks? You know, if, if, you're, if you're three and one, I mean, that's that's like hitting the Grand Slam home run. If you're two and two, I mean, it's okay, but you're almost out of the season already because, you know, Clemson's, you know, is is, is not going to lose more than probably one game if if they lose at all. Notre Dame is, is not going to lose, you know, m- very many games. And, and, you know, they're right now the number two pick in the conference. Um, you still got to deal with North Carolina at the end. And then you're asking yourself to go six, seven weeks in a row without dropping a game. Um, you know, you've got Pittsburgh after Clemson that, you know, that's not going to be an easy out. Never, never is very well coached team that, that, that's got good players. Uh, you got a road game at Virginia tech in there in November. Um, you've got Georgia tech, which beat you last year. Now, obviously they shouldn't have beat you last year and, you know, hopefully you beat them this year, but it's not certainly not a gimme. Um, we really don't know much about what kind of team Wake Forest is going to put on the field other than they lost their great quarterback, so they're probably not going to be as good. So th- there's a lot of winnable weeks in there, no doubt. But if you're talking about competing for the conference title, you don't have a lot of margin for error. And the, the schedule's not not a, a walkover in the first five weeks. So, um, you know, We'll see what happens there. So, you know, Matt, we'll talk a little bit more next week, you know, maybe, you know, about how many games we think they can win as we, you know, cover another week of, of fall camp and stuff. But um, before I let you go, is there anything that's jumped out at you um, besides what we've already talked about um, that's made an impression on you in these first few weeks of training camp? Um. I mean, I guess if if I had to point to something, it would be it seems like these freshmen are going to have an impact. You know, I, I think Jalen Knighton is is the real deal, and I know Cam Harris is going to be you know sort of the starter, but it, it does sound like Jalen's going to play quite a bit um, in in some sort of a rotation. I think he's going to get more and more reps as the year goes on and be really really good. Um, and then at receiver, Xavier Restrepo in the scrimmages it sounds like he's made some great plays. They even gave him a reverse. So I mean, he's going to get involved in the game in, in some way or another, um, you know, and then even, you know, even on defense, there's like a, you know, there's a lot of freshmen on the team um, that, that can help out right away. You know, Corey Flagg, I think is going to get in rotation at linebacker in some, some way. And I think at safety, Brian Ballin's going to get in the rotation as well. And then, you know, a bunch of younger players also, um, you know, second year guys at like defensive, defensive tackle. So it's going to be um, interesting to see how these young guys develop, because that's really going to be, the key for the future is how these first and second year guys come along because they get that extra year of eligibility. You got a great recruiting class coming in on top of that. And now you're looking two, three years down the road at a team that maybe can play with Clemson with a little bit of coaching development in there, you know? Um, so, so to me, that was the, been, has been the most interesting part of the fall is not just, you know, how Dee Wiggins or Mike Harley or even Mark Pope are doing. 
it's sort of when coaches mention some of these younger guys and, and how they're coming along. And, and some of these guys, you know, have gotten some good reviews. You know, Jalara Holly, it sounds like he's going to be getting a lot of playing time this year. He's a second-year defensive tackle. Um, Cameron Williams at defensive end has been getting a lot of praise, just sort of how he's been coming along. Uh, so, you know, that, that's just something to keep an eye on because how these young players do, like I said, I don't think Miami's going to win a championship this year, but keep an eye on some of these first, second-year players because if they do well, if they get a handful of guys that do really well that are that young, and you add this recruiting class on top of developing some of the other first and second-year players, and you're starting to build towards beating Clemson two or three years down the road, which is really what I want to see uh, happen for Miami's program. Well, that would obviously be great. <laughs> and, um, you know, we'll be hoping for it together and, um, you know, see how, see how it plays out. I think this year is going to be really interesting. Um, I mentioned Restrepo earlier as well. I mean, I, you know, you just keep hearing great things about Restrepo and, you know, he's like a quicker Braxton Berrios. So um, I agree. I think that they, they will try to get him involved this year and uh, we will get to see a little bit of him. All right, Matt. Well, thank you so much for, um, you know, joining us tonight and giving us a little of your insight and, uh, probably do it again next week as we preview the season and um, put you on the spot, make you tell us how many games you think Miami's going to win. And I'll do the same. <laughs> um, so, so that'll be, that'll be fun. All right, um, Matt, we'll talk to you next week. It's Matt Shodell, our managing editor at Kane sport and um, great insight. All right. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And um, starting to get late in the evening. We're not going to stretch this out too much longer. So if you want to come on tonight, um, hit that one on your keypad and get in in the queue, and uh, we'll get you on. Let's go out to the 973. You're live on Team Sport Live. Gary. Gary, Gary, what's up, my man Ross? How you doing this week? What's going on, man? Hey, what do you? Whatever you got playing in the background, turn it down because we're getting an echo. There's, there's, there's nothing in the background. Absolutely nothing. Oh, Probably my headphones. The... I'm about to take you off the headphones. Hold on. Oh, okay. All right, you're better now. Go ahead. Better. Yep. Okay. So, um, yeah, man, just listening to you guys speak. I mean, I kind of, I kind of got on a little late, but um. Gary, you just gave a scenario about um, if we go to Louisville, you know, we might run into some problems there because their offense is prolific. It's probably in the second year of it. Listen, I'm even though we are all excited about the offense and what our potential offense could be, we have to figure it out and say we're going to hang our hat on defense. Here's the bottom line to this, Gary, with what you were saying earlier. If we're trying to get it done, we must hang our hat on defense. So I understand the scenario saying Louisville might be tough, but we have to go beat Louisville. And you have to t- you have to travel with your defense. I don't care if it's the second game of the, of the year. You have to travel with that defense. We got to go to Louisville and beat them. Now, if you trip up a little, if you trip up maybe to uh, Clemson or whatever, fine. Our, our job then will be to win out the rest of the way. This is what we need to do. At the end of the day, win these games. If we're trying to impress our recruits, if we're trying to impress our fan base, if we're trying to get it done for next next year, we're facing Alabama. There's no more if this happened, if that happened, and we're going to run to beat Louisville. Beat them. Get back home. Take care of business of Florida State, and let's see what happens with, with Clemson. you got to go into that game 3-0. and 
and the, and then you 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 see what happens with that. And if you lose, like I said, if you lose that game, then win the rest of the game. We're trying to impress the crews. We're trying to do well. All that maybe could. Let's hang our hat on defense. I think our offense will be decent. Let's hang it on defense. Sounds like a good plan to me. You know, it, it, you're not you're not wrong without question. I mean, if you look at it honestly, and you take the orange and green glasses off, you're asking this team with a new quarterback, a new system, a new coaching staff working together for the first time, which is a way bigger deal than anybody ever gives credit to. You know, they've got to make adjustments during the game. They've got to communicate with each other during the game. They've got to see things that the other team is doing and be able to communicate it to Rhett Lashley. They've got to be able to make suggestions in his ear. Um, they've got to fine-tune the way they communicate with each other and the flow of, of, of communication. They have a lot to work out, okay? And, and that's and even that's before – you hang, hang it on defense. Yeah, Man, I mean, Ross, that's before – but that's before you even get to, to, into what plays you're running and that kind of thing. And you're asking them to go to Louisville and put 40 points on the board to win that I'm game? I mean, that. You're, no, I'm you're right. I'm saying, I'm saying you're right. I'm saying you're right. Okay. You cannot do that. You can't say to this offense and this offensive coaching staff in week two, we can't win this game if you don't put 40 on the board. And this year – I'm paying attention to our special team coach. We need to win a couple of quarters on our special teams, meaning punt return, kick return, and kicking game, and punt and the punting game. We need, and I'm talking about coverage on punting on the punt coverage. I need to see improvement all the way around. And the reason why, and I don't, I hate to compare or even bring this team up ever. Let's look at Tallahassee. And a couple of years ago, when they they introduced their no huddle offense, they struggled a little bit, and I expect us to struggle a little bit because they struggled a little bit, and people are going to struggle in any time a new up tempo offense. You're not going to get it right away. You're going to struggle a little bit, and I'm going to always say, hanging on defense, because Manny, guess what, Manny? This is your unit. At the end of the day, let's see something from your unit that's supposed to be at least a couple of years of experience. And let's not count on this offense. A couple more other things, though, Gary, before you, you, you let me go. Recruiting. Um, what are you hearing? Um, I, I guess I missed, some of the, I missed some of the show. So you know the exact numbers, number-wise, we're going to end up with. And do you have any insight on if it's going to be expanded as far as – or the NCAA is going to allow us to open up and, and um, get, some, get some more numbers as far as no, um, I, I don't, I don't think the 25 is going to be expanded in terms of recruiting. I think what will be expanded is the 85 roster limit. Um, I think they're going to have to accommodate some transfers. I think they're going to have to accommodate the kids that want to come back for a sixth year, um, as opposed to, um, you know, as, as opposed to leaving after this after this year, they're going to have a choice. And if they want to stay, if the older kids want to stay for an extra year, the NCAA has told them they have the option to do so. So, um, you know, I, I that's that's how I see it playing out. I mean, I don't know if the number is going to be a hundred or what, or if they're going to say it's there is no number. Uh, they, they, you know, maybe they make it arbitrary. You know, uh, to, to each individual school. I mean, you got to remember, it's going to cost them money. You know, they, they got to pay for those scholarships. So I, I, you know, I don't think any, you know, I don't, I don't think Blake James is going to, is going to say to Manny Diaz, Oh, you can have, you know, as many players as you want. Cause every one of those players is 
going to cost them seventy five, eighty thousand dollars. Well, absolutely. So, guess what? There's going, to be some, there's going to be some guys that you just don't want back anyway, regardless. And you want to make it very clear to them, I wouldn't like you back, and some of these guys are not going to come back. Let me jump to something else real quick, Gary. Um, now, we're going to um, we're going to be limited as far as fan base and stuff, and, and more likely none of the guys that we're recruiting is going to have to be able to come to any games. We're probably not not going to allow that. We're not going to put the kids in danger. So, if I'm not mistaken, was today the day where we could offer the 2022 kids? Uh, yes, I believe that. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Today was the day. Yeah. Let me ask you this. So now, yeah, and we'll know, be and we'll be having some stories on that here in the next couple of days on what twenty twenty two kids were getting calls, uh, what they were saying. I, I think it started about one in the morning last night. Yeah. Um, yes. Here's my last question. Here's my last question. Kind of a, a, a quirky question, but let me ask you anyway. Now, from just watching the NBA and watching what they've been doing is successful as far as you know with the with visual as far as um, the audience, I should say, the fan base getting online and watching a game. Is there anywhere a scenario we could have as far as every team in, in NCAA as far as football-wise where we could have our, we could allow our uh, recruits or guys that we're recruiting to get online and visually watch us? And is that allowed, would that be allowed for them to actually otherwise and just, you know, interact with each other while they're watching the game? Not necessarily you could watch it on TV. I'm talking about just being online. And, you I know, know, that's the way, like, they're not at the game, yeah. but they're all in the same room. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if they're gonna. I don't know if they're gonna try to do something along those lines. They probably should, you know, have a have a recruit Zoom to watch yeah, the game. Yeah, that's a good idea, right? While they're watching yeah. the game, that, that, yeah. that'll substitute for them. Like if they was at the game, sitting down next to each other, having a burger or, or some popcorn, right? It would be like the same way. Yeah. Something yeah, I don't think I don't think they'll have a recruit section. I'd be no, surprised if the they do. I, you know, that, that's 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 a good question, and I'll and I'll try to get an answer for that. Okay. Well, anyway, that's 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 it for me, man. Look, let's hang this thing on defense, guys. All the all the fans that's listening right now, let's not get on here and think that we're gonna we're gonna be the first team to come out with a brand new offense and and and, and score thirty, thirty five points, forty points. Florida, they didn't do it. All them other guys didn't do it. But I'm also not I'm not doubting my guys. But a good seventeen a game, maybe twenty, maybe. But our defense, let's hang it on defense, Gary. Keep me on hold. All right, Ross, give us a call next week. All right, guys, I got a wide open board right now. The number is 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Um, I'm going to do two, two things for sure. Uh, right now, I'm going to let you listen. We had a chance to talk to Manny Diaz today. Um, condense it down to about five minutes. I want you to hear the coach talk about his team. So I'm going to play that for you right now. Then we got a bunch of questions that were submitted on the message board to canesport.com we're going to get to. And then if anybody else wants to get on the show, I'll get to you. Six, seven, eight, I see you. I'll come to you in a minute. But this is Manny Diaz today talking about the team. Um, so I wanted to ask you, you know, fall drills are, are pretty well on their way here with the game sort of almost around the corner. Um, can you talk about maybe uh, a couple of things that you're most encouraged about that you've seen in practice on the field um, this fall? I think I'm just encouraged of the um, the overall attitude of our team. You know, I, I you know we, even out there today, you know, we, we finished practice with some sprints um, just to make sure that everybody's holding everybody else accountable. I think they feel that. I think they feel that difference. I think we just, you know, as I've mentioned, I think we're just a little bit more connected team um, than we were a year ago. And we, we've been trying as a staff to try to expose the places where the connections don't exist. 
to shine light on it. And I think we've done a good job, but the guys have done a good job of, of battling through those things, you know, so, um, so still a lot of work to do, you know, I mean, we're, we're still, you know, a week away, but, uh, but they, they do seem to be willing. Yeah, Manny, when you say you guys are a more connected team, can you just um, give me a little bit more detail on that? How do you feel like you guys are more connected and why? Well, I think it, number one, it has to do with the, the people, you know, I think certain uh, people and certain groups of people fit together better um, than some other types, more like-minded people, you know, and I think that's part of it. You know, I think anytime, you know, when you are, you know, the word gets kicked around all the time, but when you're establishing a culture, you know, sometimes it's not for everybody. So I think the more chance that you have for the, the program to attract the type of people that it wants to attract, um, that happens, and then what happens is that those that maybe aren't really all for that, they get a little bit marginalized and sort of put to the side, um, not put in really important positions. Um, and then just the way that we work, I, you know, like even just as silly as, as you know, in this offense and, and, the, and the way that we are, we're practicing now, um, the fatigue is going to find you, you know, because there's really nowhere to hide, you know, especially for the way we've been practicing these last two weeks out there. It has been as hot as I can remember. Um, on our practice field. So I think there's no choice to find out who's really um, for their teammates and, and, and who's maybe a little bit more for themselves. So I, I think all those things go in. As you, as you know, there's no one defining thing, you know, and, and what coach wouldn't say that this time of year. I get all that. But, 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 but I think it's something that's still, all that being said, everyone in the program senses. Um, I asked Brett Lashley this yesterday. I what do you think it'll be like for you on opening night? You know, what, what are your expectations for your team that night? How do you think you'll be feeling emotionally? Obviously, this is a, a different kind of year, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, if you, if you brought it out to the year, um, I think it'll probably be very similar to the f very first practice we had, um, the very first scrimmage we had. Shoot, the f very first day coming back in the office after a long time. Um, I think there'll be a lot of emotion. I think just the, again, the, the, the feeling of just gratitude that we're, that we get a chance to get back out there and play because that's not been promised. Um, but, you know, but I mean, that's got to quickly go. I think once, you know, once we get ready to, to line up for kickoff, you know, it, it's all about ball and uh, we've got a lot of respect for the team that we're playing a week from Thursday. And, you know, I think all those emotions will, will, will be short lived if once, you know, once the, um, the foot hits the football. Hey, Coach, um, as we get closer to kicking off here, um, curious what your feeling is about just what the standard should be, the policy should be for postponing games, and, and just maybe what's your sense of, I mean, how many players do you need available to play a game? Well, I mean, that's a fantastic question, um, and it is something that has been discussed uh, uh, in our league. Um, and, I, and I don't think that there's a broad exact number um, because a lot of it has to do with what position. Um, you know, and if, and if, if there's a, if there, there could be a number, I mean, you could have a, you could have a hundred guys, but if none of the hundred play offensive line, for example, then it's, it's very difficult to play a game. So, so we have discussed, you know, um, some of those measures of, of what they would be as a league. Um, I know from our league, it's only all I can speak for is that we are committed to play um, unless it's just, unless it just becomes to the point where you, you can't play. Um, and I think we're all aware of that and, and what that is. And that's why we've been telling our players. I mean, this, this could be a year where, you know, a defensive player has to play offense, vice versa. You know, a wideout's got to play DB. Someone has to play this position, that position, and, and, and you know, and, and kind of have fun doing it. So um, I, think, I think we're all ready for that. And, 
and in the meantime, just continue to do what we're doing off the field to you know, keep our testing going the way that it's been going and, and, and limit the, the contact tracing. Hey, Manny, when you guys play UAB, they're going to have played a game. You are not going to have played a game. You're going to have film to look at from them. They're not going to have film to look at from you. Is that an advantage for you? And if so, how do you use kind of that mystery to your advantage? Well, I don't know that there's as much mystery as everybody thinks that there, there are. I mean, everybody's watching last year's film. All of us coaches, every, everybody has a, a track record. And, and, again, what they may do to attack – Central Arkansas in one way or the other may not be exactly what they would do to attack us. I also think there's a great advantage in having played a game and um, getting into just all the dynamics, uh, tackling, just, just all the things that happen on a first game. You, you know, you've heard the expression used before that very often football teams make their biggest improvement from week one to week two uh, during the season. So they'll have the advantage to, to, to have that where, where we won't. Um, but like I said, I think I think once we get into playing the game, it's going to come down to their guys doing what they do and our guys doing what we do and, and a battle of execution like it always does. That was head coach Manny Diaz, and um, I thought he was very insightful today and uh, made a lot of really good points and gave us a few little tidbits, so I, I thought you guys would like to hear that. That's why I played it. Anyway, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to get in here before we go to bed for the evening. Uh, right now, let's go out to the 678. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, this is Mark. What's up, Mark? Listener a long time, but haven't called in before. Hope you're well tonight. Oh, I'm glad you did call in. We, we, we love first-time callers. Cool. Get some get, get some new voices on here. To, yeah, both of you guys have touched a little bit. Just folks in the secondary, maybe under, and, you know, young guys that across the board or part-time past uh, needing to step up on defense. My concern really, it feels to me like we have some reasonably high-level secondary talent, I'll say we've got about eight safeties and maybe a half a cornerback. And it mm-hmm. seems like Ivy in particular has really underperformed last year. I'm less worried about blades, but at the same time, you need at least three solid because obviously you're going to play quite a bit of nickel. Who do you think from the safety bunch, maybe one of the young guys who's just flat got some got some hips, got some speed, got some, some, some natural knack that might be able to step up that was uh, either not on the roster last year or just somebody, not a, not a, not a Bolden because he's going to stay safe. He, he needs to stay, but somebody who can cover, who could possibly step up and maybe even end up at nickel or end up as the second corner as we go through this season that might surprise us. To me, it's got to be Christian Williams. I mean, he's a kid that was a good prospect coming out of high school. Um, Alabama almost took him. Uh, so, you know, Nick Saban is the top defensive back evaluator in America. Um, now, they ended up not taking him, but uh, just the fact that they were seriously considering him tells you that they saw some decent ability in him, and now he's had a year at Miami to – to develop a little bit and like that's the guy to me that's got to make a forward move this year and I want to see him overtake Blades or Ivy 
because I agree with you. I, I, you know, I, I think Blades and Ivy are good players. I think Blades is a phenomenal special teams guy. Um, I'm not convinced that he can hold up for a game against a good passing team. And um, and I'm not convinced that he's a shutdown corner. Um, love him, great kid. I mean, I hope he develops into that. But but I can't sit here and honestly say that I see that right now. So um, I, I think that it's very important that Christian Williams develops this year. I think it's very important that the Corey Couch develops this year and gives them a, um, a fourth guy at that position that they feel comfortable putting in games. And then um, as it unfolds, we'll see if those young guys are better than. Than, um, than Blades and Ivy at, at this point. Um, I don't think that that's something that you can decide on the practice field. I think you've got to see how they show up on game day, um, how they hold up when they don't know what the receivers are doing. You know, let's be honest. I mean, you're defending the Miami offense every day in practice. After a few days, you pretty much got all the routes down and stuff. So um, it gets a little tougher when you have to go against somebody else and you're put to the test more. Uh, so, I'm personally looking at those two guys, uh, especially Christian Williams, that I think need to take big forward steps here this year. The reason I bring it up is because guys like Williams, I perceive maybe could play a little more physical. When you started getting into the college playoffs and watching that, how physical the corners were, jamming receivers, basically mauling them all the way down the field, and they let them. They Mm -hmm. played that way the the whole college playoff that I think it's almost kind of like the old Detroit Pistons in basketball. That's what what corners kind of have to do now to stay with these bigger, stronger, faster receivers. And I don't, I don't see either Blades or Ivy having the physical strength to jam a guy and then stay yeah. with them and play, play that physical style. And I think, I think you need to at least have one guy – uh, at the defensive back position, not just safety, but defensive back, not striker, but a guy that can cover on the outside that can match up with the opposing teams. I'll call it first receiver. You know, they're, they're kind of go to down the field guy. And I, I don't see Miami having that defensive back on the roster short of it being somebody who's probably a converted safety. Well, if they have it, we haven't seen it yet. I totally agree with you. Now, maybe we see it in, in, a couple it week, in, in a couple weeks, but I think you're making a great point, and I think we haven't seen it. And, you know, I remember watching that LSU-Clemson national title game um, back in January, and I'm telling you, those teams are playing a different sport. It, it absolutely are playing a different sport. There's a reason why Clemson's going to the playoffs every year. Um there's a reason why LSU was able to have the team they had last year. They were playing a different sport with different level athletes. And, you know, right now it's going to be very, very hard for Miami to match that. It's just, you know, it's unfortunate, but it, it, it just is. So it's going to take several years, many, many years of recruiting to, to catch up from where we are right now. Now, you know, that said, so you're not just going to wave a white flag. So what you need to do is you need to develop players like Kristen Williams, and you need to get yourself to the point where you can go against better teams and still be competitive and give yourself a chance to pull out games in the fourth quarter. I mean, those great teams don't play well every week. They throw bad games. They, you know, different things happen. They have turnovers and different things. You've got to get yourself to be good enough to where you can hang in games and not just get blown out. Um, you probably very well know the last few times we've played 
you know, teams like Clemson and LSU and these type of teams, we, you know, end up getting blown out. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be a step-by-step. It's not going to all come at once. And it starts with developing kids like Christian Williams, in, in my opinion, and, and, and turning them into players that are a little bit better maybe than what you've been playing with. Well, and it, I, I perceive it's the same way at linebacker. We, we've got a fourth-string linebacker we're going to rely on as our, call it, you know, the rock of the linebacker spot. And you traditionally play three. I know we kind of play this hybrid striker, whatnot. So let, let's say we have a serviceable striker. We're not going to get through the season with two corners and two linebackers and not have injuries, not somebody need a breather, um, or you know you go into some sort of hybrid scenario or you need nickels or whatever. And somebody at, at linebacker is going to have to step up beyond just a, a truly young guy who's going to make rookie mistakes like Jennings did against LSU or whatever. It, there's mm-hmm. just, do you see anybody at linebacker that's kind of maybe poised to surprise a little bit and truly kind of take over that, that core as the season goes on and really become maybe even the leader or the alpha? Well, you know, the coaches talk a lot about Bradley Jennings until I, and I, I that, I'm like, Kind of like, you know, like, you know, Matt Chodell was just on with us and he used the phrase, I got to see it. You know, I, I got to see that. You know, I, I, I'm not willing I to commit to that until I see it. The, when I look at the raw potential, um, I think this Avery Huff kid can develop into a really good player. Uh, he's so athletic. Uh, I just I don't have a feel right now for how much he's picking up the mental side of the game and, and how ready he is to contribute and help this year. They're going to need him some, but uh, that kid is a freak athlete. And um, so I'm going to be watching his development really, really, really closely. Uh, we'll see on Sam Brooks. Uh, he was a little further along and played some last year. Um, we'll, we'll see how he develops the young freshmen. I mean, I, th- I think they have a ceiling, uh, you know, I think they can be good players. I don't. I'm not sure that there's a great linebacker in there. Uh, hopefully, I'll be proven wrong as we start seeing them contribute. I'll probably on special teams and things this year. Um, we'll see. But uh, you know, that's a position where I think they got to keep recruiting and keep trying to upgrade. Um, I, you know, uh, it's hard to have too much of an opinion because we haven't seen them on the field yet. Um, but just on the face value of recruiting, I, I thought they got good players. I didn't feel like they got great players. So um, I think Avery Huff has a chance to be a great player because he's got the athletic ability to be a great player. Uh, we'll just have to see how he develops, you know, the rest of the game. Do, do you get the sense, though, from what you hear internally that, let's say Huff or whoever is a is an alpha, is somebody that is really going to be able to get in there and step up and earn the respect of the older guys and the rest of the defense yeah. and get in there. I mean, and, and, athletically, you know yes. I mean, athletically, yes. Mentally. Um, I mean, but, it just but, is but, but I don't have a play. feel for the mental side of his game yet. I don't have a feel for, you know, his, his football skill yet. I know he's a freak athlete, you know, just like, you know, Rousseau was a freak athlete just a freak athlete like this chase smith kid coming in the next recruiting class he's a freak athlete but you know they're gonna have to find what you know the right position for him i think they think it's going to be striker but you know you don't really know till he gets here you guys you know you, know, you got to see how physically you know the college game is different than the high school game it's so much more physical how you know 
how is Avery Huff going to hold up to the physical side of the game and things like that? We don't know yet. So there's so many things that we need to see this season uh, that we just haven't seen because of the situation without us, no spring practice and the coronavirus situation, which is, you know, kept a, 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 an absolute lid on the program um, in, in, in terms of being able to visually see things that we, that, you know, I know that I would look at, look for as an analyst. Um, so, you know, we'll see, we'll, we'll, we'll just see how it unfolds, but that, that's what I would say right now. I, I really want to see how far Avery Huff has come during the off season. Out, out, outside of Huff, I'll, I'll grant you that. I don't see the coaching staff having, I don't know, brought in, I'm not going to say a home run, but brought in a legitimate starting potential linebacker since they've been together. I, no. I don't get it. Do you have any idea why? They have no. not been able to. I'm not asking them to string together five, you know, straight five stars in each class, you know, in a row. But give me one, please. It's been four years. Yeah, it's just it's been very average recruiting. It's just there's no other way to describe it. It's been very average recruiting. But especially um, that, it's been very pedestrian at that position in particular. And, and you know what should be a decent position in the state of Florida. Um, so I, you know, well, there's, I, 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 there's opportunity. It's you could you could just tell a guy, look, you know, you can come in and start day one if you can just pick up the defense. There's there's not a ton of you know, it's not a logjam at that position by any stretch. Yeah, I don't disagree. I don't it. It's, I don't it's been frustrating. Listen, there, to this day, there still is a lack of elite talent on this team. Uh, there just is. I mean, you know, who you, you your best players this year is, is probably a guy that transferred in in well, I'm from Houston. Say the tight end, but yeah, no, yeah. Derek, no, I no, mean, Derek King is probably going to be the best football player on this team this year. Um, now that now that Rousseau is not is is not here, um, you know, Brevin Jordan will be a good player. Will Mallory will be a good player. I, I don't know that either one is elite elite. You know, there's just there's a lack of elite talent in this program right now. Uh, hopefully that will start to change. I, I think they've got a couple recruits. You know, you look at James Williams, you look at Leonard Taylor, um, maybe even Chase Smith. But, you know, I, I think you've got a couple kids that have a chance to be a little bit better than what they've been getting that are coming up in the next recruiting class. But you're going to have to start stacking that year after year after year after year if you're going to really change the face of what's been going on in this program. Well, and I'd take it one step further in that. The, and the reason I keep bringing up the mental side is because they got to be, whether you want to call it that old school dog, they've got to want it. They, they've got to play with a chip on their shoulder. They've got to, you know what I'm saying? It, a lot of these guys seem like they come in and they're, they're four stars. But when you look back at the four stars, they were probably lower and four stars that the Clemsons and 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 the, and the Alabamas wouldn't take, even though they registered five eight five nine four star. You look yeah, back at go, you know, I personally think there's too many four stars. That's my opinion. I mean, when you when you start getting into two hundred and fifty four stars, like to me, that's too many kids. You know, I people complain, hey, why isn't that kid ranked a five star and stuff? I think the greatest thing about five star is that there aren't that many of them. Like, I think right now at Rivals, there's, there's like 18 five-stars. Um, eventually, it'll grow to 25, probably 30. But that's it. Like, you don't just put a five-star on every kid out there. Because if you do that, what's the point? 
you know, it means nothing at that point. So I'd like to, I'd like to see less four stars personally. I think there's way too many of them. And I think it creates a false sense of what kids are. Oh, he's a four star, but he's not really a four star. Probably should be a three star. There's just, there's just 200 and something four stars. So he gets ranked four star. I'm saying I want a five-star motor. I want a Russo motor. I want somebody who wants it because it seems like the, a lot of these guys are somewhat entitled. Like, look at the running back saying, well, if you take another running back or this guy doesn't go pro early, then I'll just go where it's easier. That's the mm-hmm. opposite of what we need. Just my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I, I think you're making great points. You got anything else for us tonight? Well, I appreciate all you do. I appreciate all you do, Gary. Hey man, that was that was uh, pretty damn good for a first time call. You better uh, start calling this show more regularly. <laughs> I'm serious. That was a great for a first. Like that was a great first call by you, man. You made some great points on there. So we'll be back every week well, now. I, I so haven't had a chance. Don't be a stranger. To talk to you since the Georgia Tech game when they when uh, Golden was there, so it's been a while since we talked. So. All right. Well, don't be a stranger. That was a good call. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Have a good night. All right, last call for the night, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. All right, um, I'm going to address some of these questions that were submitted on the message boards at canesport.com for this week's show. Why did we lose Jason Marshall? And for those of you that don't know who Jason Marshall is, he's the Miami Palmetto cornerback that there was a lot of hype. And a lot of people, myself included, thought he was going to commit to Miami. Um, but at the end of the day, he didn't commit to Miami. He committed to Florida. So the question is, why did we lose Jason Marshall? Um, if I were honest about that one, I'm not sure that Miami ever really had him. Degree that maybe it was believed Um you know, uh, I know a lot of people within the program thought he was coming. He may have told people he was coming. Um, there was a lot of belief that he was coming to Miami. But, you know, one of the benefits of doing what we've done for as long as we've done it is, you know, we fortunately have a lot of sources around the country that we can call on to find things out and, and just feel, you know, and the information that I had that day when he was supposedly going to commit was that he wasn't committing anywhere that day. And, and I was able to confirm and knew that both Florida and Alabama both felt like they were still in it and that he was not committing on that. It was a Saturday. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was, you know, a month or two ago, whatever. But um, so I'm not sure that it was, it was this anywhere near, as likely that he was coming to going to commit to Miami as maybe it was perceived to be. Now, all that said, I'm also not convinced that it's over. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't go to Florida. I could definitely see him going to Alabama or Miami before it's all said and done. And we'll see what happens. Um, but that's basically the best way I can answer that right now. Do we have enough good athletes who are performing effectively to run Rhett Lashley's system, and how good is Rhett Lashley? All right. You'll remember a year ago that we were throwing parades all over Coral Gables in South Florida that we had landed Dan Enos to be our offensive coordinator. He came from Alabama, 
um, had been uh, the quarterbacks coach there, had a couple great quarterbacks, um, had a great reputation. And that was considered a grand slam home run hire for at the time for Manny Diaz. And I remember, you know, pulling up, uh, watching the coaching staff pull up rather to a booster function on the Miami River. And the you know, a few hundred fans were there, and Dan Enos was getting off the boat, and all the fans are yelling, motion, motion, motion. Everyone's fired up. We're going to have motion in the offense. The Miami offense is going to take off. We're going to score 40 points a game. We got a, a better coach now, blah, 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 blah. And you know what happened. Okay. So now we have Rhett Lashley, who – you know, I, I, I think he's a very good coach. I think Dan Enos was a very good coach. I think it just wasn't a good fit for him. Now, Rhett Lashley. Okay, I'm not sure what happened at Auburn. You know, he was at Auburn, very good job. For whatever reason, Gus Malzahn decided that he wanted control over the offense and didn't really want Rhett Lashley running it. So Rhett Lashley leaves Auburn. He goes to UConn, and then he goes to SMU. Okay, did a great job at SMU last year. They won a bunch of games. He put up big numbers and proved himself at a, at a place, you know, where it was his show. And, he, you know, he had a good head coach there to mentor him. And um, it worked out great. And now he's ready to take the next step back up to, and I'll put a quote around big leagues, okay? Because, you know, my, uh, Miami and the ACC is bigger than SMU. Okay, so this is this is his chance to kind of re-enter the game, so to speak, and put himself back on the map. I don't know what his career aspirations are. I don't know if he wants to be a head coach. I don't know if he has designs on being an offensive coordinator at, at a at a bigger you know SEC program. You know, he, you know, he came from Auburn. Um, I don't know any of that. But so this is his big opportunity here. He's going to be on a much bigger stage at Miami. Um, he's got total control of the offense. He's, he's essentially like an assistant head coach. Um, and, um, you know, this is a great, this was a great landing spot for him. Now he goes out with Manny Diaz and they recruit the Eric King. Okay. Let me tell you something. I can't stress how huge that was because I, I, if he had to come in here with Jar Jaron Williams and the cozy Perry and, and, and I know Jaron's gone now or whatever. I don't know that he would have had a higher probability of success than what Danny knows had last year with those guys. Um, you know, that they weren't committed the way they should have been committed. They weren't leaders the way they needed to be leaders. Um, they're doing stupid stuff all the time, you know, without getting into the gory details of what college kids do when, when they're, you know, not really, you know, towing the line the way they should when they're the leaders of the football team or supposed to be the leaders of the football team. And uh, I, I don't know that Lashley would have come in here and, and had a glowing prospectus right now, um, but he did recruit the Eric King. Massive, massive, massive accomplishment for he and Manny Diaz has totally changed the face of this program. Seriously, it, it has totally changed the face of this program going into this season whole different mindset, top to bottom of the team. They have a leader now, um, and they're running an offense that the kids believe in. You know, the, 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 you know like uh, Roland Smith said, 
these South Florida kids, D. Wiggins, Mark Pope, Mike Harley, that they're that they got playing at receiver right now. This is what they want to run, and this is what they believe in. We'll see if it makes them better players. You know, we'll we'll find that out here starting next week. So, um, how successful will he be? We'll see. But I know one thing: he's going to be very highly motivated to be successful. I think he's got to prove. He's got a quarterback. I think the Eric King has to have a great season. You know, right now, quarterback recruiting, looking into the future, is not in the greatest place yet. Um, it can get there. But, you know, he kind of got a late start. And a lot of kids had already committed themselves to other schools. Um, if he can prove that he can win and put up points with the Eric King, I think that'll make Miami an appealing destination for other young quarterbacks. I think there's, it's not out of the question that the Eric King comes back for another year next year. How about that? Because he can if he wants to. And he's a 5'8 kid that's not going to be a quarterback in the NFL. Um, he'd have to go try to make it as a wide receiver in the National Football League. He might just decide that it's in his best interest to get another year of graduate school under his belt, paid for by the University of Miami. So I, I don't think it's out of the question that they can have the Eric King for two years, which would be absolutely massive. So the stars have aligned for Lashley. And, um, you know, part of this question was if he succeeds, is he going to look to bolt? You know, how many years can we keep him? Um, and, and along those lines. And, you know, I don't know that he's so far along in his career at this point that he would bolt after one year. I don't, I don't think he's going to get a head coaching job after one year. So, I mean, if that were the case, would he be here in the first place? I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, he's got a lot of young kids he's working with. So unless it's a significantly better opportunity, um, I will predict that Lashley is back at Miami, certainly in 2021. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it unfolds. We'll see how he likes it here and what his career ambitions end up being. All right. What's the truth behind Mark Pope not living up to his five-star status? Um, even Coley and Richards had their breakout year early in their careers. What's taking this guy so long? He was rated too high. I mean, that's the truth. He was given a five-star ranking, and he, and, he, and, he, and he hasn't proven to be anywhere close to a five-star talent. Um, and obviously, his career has been disappointing to this, to this point. You know, he struggled learning the offense in the past. Uh, wasn't really strong enough to get off the line of scrimmage, uh, playing against physical corners. Um, super kid, super nice kid, and I hope it starts to come together for him in this new offense. But yeah, I mean, when you're entering year three and you don't have, you don't have a resume yet, uh, you're probably not going to live up to five star billing. That's that that's just the facts of the matter. Maybe you can live up to four star billing. You know, we'll see how it goes. Why hasn't Ed Reed been around? Seems the DBs are itching to pick his brain some more. Um, I mean, I'm sure he's staying home with his family because of coronavirus, which I don't blame him. Um, you know, he's not a coach. He was just going to, you know, be doing different things around the program. They they can certainly survive without him. And um, I'm also sure he's available to the DBs by phone or Zoom anytime they want. So um, I would say it's not, not a factor in any way. Where are we with special teams? Everything, punting, kicking, punt return, kick return. Um, will special teams be an asset or a liability this year? I think other than the improved kicking game with Jose Borgales, we really have no idea 
when it comes to coverage teams and return teams and things like that. Um, just on the face value, I would imagine that special teams are going to be pretty rough for a lot of teams early in the season and might be a hidden factor in some games. You know, the teams that are furthest along on special teams might be the teams that we see winning a lot of games in September. So we'll see. But I don't think we really have any clue of how Miami is going to be on special teams this year. I would be concerned that they haven't had a lot of time to practice them, but everybody else hasn't either. So, you know, we'll just uh, see what happens there. Uh, Blake Baker likes to talk about the team's third down conversion rate, but he never mentions the fourth uh, down conversion rate last year, which was pretty bad. Um, if the offense struggles, will the defense be prepared to defend against the fourth down attempt, or will they check out after third down like last year? They didn't check out. They just got beat on, on individual plays. You know, they, uh, it wasn't a check out. Um, in the big picture, I don't expect this year's defense to be better than last year's defense. So I think this defense is more likely to struggle more than last year's. Um, and I also think that they're more likely to struggle. This, this might surprise you. But right now, as we sit here today, until we see something, I think the defense might be more likely to struggle this year than the offense because there's so much more than meets the eye to this thing when you're talking about uncertainty at defensive tackle, losing Greg Russo, losing Quarterman and Pinkney, um, having uncertainty at linebacker, which is the second layer. Um, now you go to the third layer. Your cornerbacks are not really proven. You know, they're a question mark. The safeties are good um, and should be really good. Um, but there's plenty of question marks on defense. But um, checking out, no, they didn't check out. They just got beat on individual plays um, last year, which is going to happen. And uh, hopefully, um, if they're going to be successful this year, they're going to have to get beat on a few less individual plays. All right, guys, that's going to be it for tonight. I um, want to thank Roland Smith, the head coach, former Kane, head coach at Miami Central, for spending some time with us tonight. Um, thought that was a great segment. And, um, you know, he gave some really good insight. Want to thank Matt Shodell for joining us. We will be back next Tuesday night to begin. Um, well, it'll, I guess tonight we begin our weekly shows. Uh, so our next weekly show will be next Tuesday night. I hope everybody comes back and joins us. We'll be then two days away from opening day. And we'll spend some more time talking about what we have seen and heard from this last week and get you ready for the start of the regular season. Hopefully we stay on track for that. So for now, I'll say thanks for joining us and good night, everybody.